0: Hello, my fellow Brapentonians, and welcome to Brap Talk. This is a weekly motorcycle podcast where we talk about the happenings of the motorcycle industry. I am your host, Jensen Beeler, and with me is my daily double, who is Mr. Shaheen Alvandi. Ding, 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 ding.
1: Do you win something for that? Uh, no, but you get to wager whatever amount you want. I'll take Shaheen Alvandi for two hundred. <laughs> Sometimes I read your writing just to see what you're thinking. Because mm-hmm. I don't get to be around you all the time. You can so just So when call I me. read it.
0: You can just, you just be like, pick up the phone. Hey, buddy, what are you thinking?
1: I know, but if I'm in the middle of work and I can't talk to you, I'll just read it. And then I think about your velvety, Ben Affleck-like voice.
0: That's fair. That's fair.
1: Yeah. Um, we were told by a listener from Germany that our voice is
0: almost soothing because it reminds him of an ex-girlfriend from the West Coast. You know what? To be fair... To be fair, if our voices remind you of your ex-girlfriend, you're welcome. Sorry. Yay. That's a handsome woman right there. She has a deep voice. I'm just
1: saying. I think it's our accents that reminded him, not so
0: much our voices. The accent is the same, not the voice. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah. Okay. That makes way more sense. We got the West Coast accents, bruh. But Germans are into weird things, so it could go either way, and I don't judge him for that.
1: Uh, you know, I appreciated him listening to us from Germany.
0: Yeah. Yeah, we're, we're international.
1: It's good that we're recording this in case the Germans get here. The Germans? That's a movie quote for whoever can listen in and figure it out.
0: I don't think I know that one. It's a single word. Why do you have a gun?
1: Hey, there it is.
0: What's to stop it from blowing your bollocks off? <laughs> <laughs> Um, I had a very eventful week. Did you? It looked in, relaxing and in the like, motorcycle. Round. Nothing looked like I happened to you. And and before I forget, I owe you a huge thank you because what did I do? you came through on those those numbers. You for like my, that midnight sticker uh, printing? We had a little. Oh man! I, I, if I ever start a proper race team, it's going to be called Last Minute Racing.
1: <laughs> if shit doesn't happen last minute, it'll never happen. Because that's.
0: I mean, that's kind of how I fly, how I fly in life. I'm kind of, I wouldn't say I'm a procrastinator, (laughs) but I definitely but I definitely, well, I just, when we were in business school, we had like a phrase, like it's not due till it's due. Like one professor, I remember like gave us two months or something to write like a five page essay or something like that. And like a month in, he's like, so who here has written their paper? And I'm like, yeah, no, (laughs) I'm definitely writing that the night before. Yeah, I know you gave us two months, but got partying to do, sir. It's I got like three hundred things between now and then that I still need to do, and a five-page paper isn't getting written two months in advance. Just isn't going to happen. <laughs> and that's and that set like the tone for the rest of my life. So it's good though. You work better under pressure, I think. Yeah, no, for sure, I do. So you you sent me a text. My my, my actually,
1: to be fair. You did ask for these stickers a couple of days in advance, and I thought you needed them at a certain time, like not at midnight on Thursday, uh, which is, a, I guess, technically Friday. Uh, I thought you needed them like Friday during the day. So when you were like, hey, how about them stickers? I'm like, yeah, dude, I'll have them to you tomorrow. You're like, no, now. Uh, <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm, I'm glad I bought that little uh, vinyl cutting machine because, man, they came
0: out nice. They came out real good. Um, we'll get to we'll get to all that in a minute. Do you want to do newsy stuff and then talk about our stuff?
1: Yeah, let's. Uh, I don't think we did newsy stuff uh, last time, did we?
0: Okay, I got a, I got like, <laughs> let's say three stories, maybe four, like Look, three and a half, three and like a kiss. Ooh, first one up. You're gonna like this. Suzuki is working on a new Doctor Big. What? Uh, D R Big. It's. Do you know what this
1: is? Yeah, like like a. Like sort of like an enduro style. Yes, it it looks like a a machine pulled straight out of the late '70s, early '80s.
0: Yeah, I mean, this is kind of OG Suzuki, which is which is so strange. Like, I think I literally think the boardroom at Suzuki or whoever's doing the product planning was like, okay. We don't have a lot of budget to make new bikes. We're not going to do a whole lot of things. So, like, can we recycle anything that's come out in our past that was like moderately successful or has some sort of vintage charm? Because that vintage thing's kind of a thing going on. So, right, you know, they pull a katana out of the out of the mothballs. They're working on a new Hayabusa. Woo. They've got the Doctor Big. Um, I wonder what kind I'm of doctor this thing has. Oh, I'm missing a bike. What is it? Shoot. But it all feels like they're kind of just playing the greatest hits album all over again, and it could be really good or it could be really bad. We we saw a spy photo of this bike, and truthfully, it looks like just a redone V Strom, and that's got me a little worried. And there's some talk that it uses the same V twin, the big one, one. liter. Well, it's a little bit more than a liter now. Yeah, uh, V Strom engine. That motor's been around. That motor originally started in the Suzuki TL1000S. Yeah, that's 1997, sir. Dude, that that motor's
1: been around like a Volkswagen Beetle's been around. Yeah, it's crazy to me.
0: Is that 20? Am I doing the math right? Is that 22 years? Uh, yeah. That's an old ass motor. That's an old ass motor. But it's grown a little. It's a great motor. It's it's got yeah. It's it's gotten a little bit more displacement. Um, it's it's a 1037 now. Speaking Uh, of, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Jeez. So. I'll be curious to see what happens here. I was really excited when this rumor first started because I was hoping that Suzuki would bring out kind of um, something to compete with the Africa Twin. Yeah, same would cool. That same idea of like, okay, we're going to build a dual sport adventure bike, 21-inch front wheel that it's designed to go off-road. We saw what the Africa Twin is doing. They're selling a buttload of those. We saw what the KTM 790 Adventure is doing. That's that's a hot bike right now. They're going we're to gonna, sell a
1: buttload of those.
0: Yeah, we'll come out with something that kind of undercuts the Africa Twin on price maybe reuse the dr big uh nomenclature that gives it like a little credibility because right, that right. was a Dakar racing motorcycle and now i'm kind of like, uh, yeah, you got, like you got doubts?
1: i feel like they're gonna wait till the what's that bike i forget the name of it this the, the super ten, 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 super tenere to ten, ten, ten. I'm kidding. I know what it is. It's just Yamaha's been fucking with us for so long. Oh, the T seven one, T seven hundred. So I feel like that maybe they're waiting until that comes out and then they're just going to drop the bomb in front of Yamaha. Like, pa, we got one too.
0: Yeah, maybe. I don't know.
1: That would be a good play. But if they're going to do a one thousand, that's that's kind of ballsy. Yet I imagine like the that middleweight segment is what needs all the love right now. I think.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think you can make a really good argument for the WeStrom getting getting some teeth. That would be amazing.
1: 21 inch wheel, long uh, suspend, long travel suspension. Yeah, Weestrom, That would be the Wistrom's already a great bike. This
0: will just make it better, especially the price point. Yeah, I think that's the thing that Suzuki's doing pretty well is they're bringing out some really decent motorcycles that are priced really aggressively. And if you're just looking for a bike and you don't want to spend a ton of money, and I think that's one of the issues in the market right now is these new bikes are so expensive. Right. And that's why we're seeing new bike sales kind of you know go the way of the dinosaur. Um, you know, if we can get back to the roots where, like, you can get on a bike for less than $10,000, that starts making a lot of sense.
1: Is that going to be Suzuki's new tagline? Suzuki, the proletariat's bike.
0: The the motorcycle for the people. The people's bike. You know, I hope so. I just really worry about that company because they're making a lot of, like, half moves. Right. And that makes me think that they just either aren't that committed to to making motorcycles or they're really hurting on the business side of things and don't have the money to do everything right, so they're just kind of half, half-assing half it, to be honest. I mean, that's what the Katana is. The Katana is a GSX-S1000F with new bodywork. And that wasn't a great motorcycle.
1: No, but I guess if you call it a Katana, this is going to be better than the last iteration of the Katana.
0: Yeah, yeah. And... and truthfully i haven't had a chance to swing a leg over the katana so i can't talk too much trash and i'm still kind of optimistic about that bike because i think the gsxs could be a good platform if you change the riding position if you got rid of the vibrations if you kind of gave it some modern and modern touches it could kind of get there right and it kind of seems that's kind of what the katana is so you know maybe but i don't know man you essentially
1: were like, it's a good bike if they just change everything.
0: Everything about it. They could just like change the <laughs> chassis, the motor the brakes, the wheels, probably the tires. Get a new graphics guy in there for sure. Yeah. I mean the headlights good. I like the headlight. Do we are we committed to two wheels? I don't know.
1: I don't know. I mean Yama seems to think three wheels are all right.
0: Three wheel thing, I don't
1: know. Who needs a Tenere seven hundred when you can have a Nikon?
0: Truthfully, I'm more excited about the Nikon than I am the Tenere seven hundred. Put some TKC 80s on that thing. What, yeah, what? yeah, man. I think that that would be a lot of fun. I want to. I want to take one of those on the track. I want to take one of those around like a flat track. I get dirty with it. That would be amazing. That would be absolutely amazing.
1: I think. I, think I feel like with hoot. the two front wheels and one rear wheel, it'd be great for flat tracking. You just slide that ass. Yeah. Really you just, easily. You
0: just be drifting the whole time. It's like, it's
1: like sailing. Uh. 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 What do you call the dual hull ones? Catamaran. Catamaran. That's a little more stable, I think.
0: Oh man, catamarans are crazy. So the yeah, the catamarans don't stay flat. No boat stays flat. Right. So the catamarans eventually you get enough wind and then you're on one pontoon. Oh, fun. And now they're really cool people, they have foils, so then it comes completely out of the water and that's crazy time. That was yeah, that's the whole ne- that's next level. They just did that. Started doing that in the America's Cup lost few rounds and um it's ridiculous what they're doing. If you if you don't mind my sailing geek out moment there. So
1: that's the catamaran of motorcycles to me.
0: Yeah. The can Yeah. A half catamaran. You should be on their marketing team.
1: That would work. Just have like a dude hanging off of it with one wheel off the... Can you get one wheel off the ground? That's the thing. Like, I can't see why you couldn't. Did I say that right? Do you think Yamaha will let you borrow one now after we're talking about it like this? Because, I mean, it's probably going to end up at PIR. Nope. Yamaha, do the right thing. Nope. Let the cool kids borrow your um, three-wheeler.
0: No, I think I'm banned for life now. I think I don't care either. Maybe
1: if I go there and I'm like, hello, I am not Jensen Buehler.
0: Hi, Jensen Bieler. who is he? I don't know Jensen. I
1: Here you have motorcycle Iraq. I'm
0: cousin from Iran. <laughs> <laughs> don't know why voice sounds like Russian. Because, you know, we're close to Russia. What well, you guys got?
1: Like, Plus, I think the Iranian stuff. accent's too, like, suave for that. It's like... Hello, I am here to ride your motorcycle. It's like, no, get out of your terrace. <laughs> like you have a little hand. <laughs> yeah, you gotta do the thing. You gotta. Like <laughs> <laughs> you, know you dance like an Iranian. You you screw two light bulbs at a, with both hands. That's how you dance like an Iranian.
0: <laughs> it's better. This People is are what listening we, and trying. This to is home, why we right? need to do a video podcast because the hand motions are worth it. <laughs> and we would have Cody Kitty making biscuits on the uh, on the table here. Cody Kitty. Yeah, she's she's definitely. She just had dinner. She's full. All right, bye. Um, So yeah, I'll be curious to see where the where this finally lands and what it looks like. I I would expect to see it at Icma later this year. Um, Do you
1: think Suzuki is listening to us?
0: Because if they are, I know people at Suzuki, certain people at Suzuki are listening to us. Are the right people listening to us? Like someone that can change product and all that? I don't know. You know, I mean, I'm just listen.
1: Just make it a little bit lighter. A little bit taller, a little
0: bit more capable.
1: You got the right idea. Just, just tweak it
0: a little. If it's over, if it's five hundred pounds or more, it's. I feel like it's going to be a loss. It'll
1: have to be a thousand cc at that point. If you're going to make it that yeah, heavy, just I mean, I guess the African is like five hundred and five
0: pounds or something like that. Right. Yeah. If you're going to make a middle weight that's five hundred, I don't understand that anymore. And there's so many of them that are five hundred pounds.
1: People just accept it. I think people just think smaller motor. Oh yeah, it must be smaller. No, it's not. Your KLR is not that much lighter it should, than my big Multistrada.
0: It should be, though. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'll put it this way. If KTM can make a 470, 465-pound adventure bike out of a 790 motor, yeah. what's everyone else's excuse?
1: I, you know, maybe they don't have access to the same unobtainium that they use.
0: There is a certain amount of it that is durability. You know, if you're going to put yeah. a bunch of bags on it, if you're going to put a passenger that rear subframe's got to be able to carry a certain amount of weight. And that's no. just, that means a certain amount of metal and metal's heavy. So there's a little bit of that, especially if you're going to go take it off jumps and, and really make it off road. It's got to be bulletproof. It'll rattle off if you like it
1: or not. I mean, as soon as you take it off road, I climbed some stairs last weekend. That's right. That's
0: right. You did some let's, things, didn't let's you? Let's get to that. We'll you get, to that. get to that. Let's, let's finish let's finish, the, finish, let's finish the, news? the newsy things. Well, okay. So here, Dr. Big is in. Dr. Big is in. A quickie on hmm. I like this just cuz of, of lawyer nerdism. The 6th oh. US Circuit uh Court of Appeals has ruled that using chalk on parked vehicles is unconstitutional.
1: That is such a big part of my high school career. I mean, I wasn't the chalker. I was we had a guy who rode a three-wheel uh, a gullwing wing trike. He was like this retired police officer, but he worked for the police department, and his job was just to ride around on his trike in Dallas and just chalk your vehicles. And as students, you know, we only had a finite amount of parking uh, area around the high school. So we would just park in the streets around, and there were two hour parking limits. So he would just chalk us. Every one of us got so many parking tickets there. I wonder if I can take it back somehow. I mean, it's been 22 years, but
0: whatever. Yeah, unfortunately, you're not in the right jurisdiction for this. Damn it. Um, that was Dallas. Sixth Circuit is like Michigan uh it's like the northwest it's that area um so where do you think this is going to go yeah michigan ohio kentucky tennessee um this is i mean i don't know if this is going to go to the us supreme court <laughs> um cuz this was a court of appeals so it's, i mean that's pretty high up the food chain man uh it's interesting. Like the whole argument's just super interesting for me. And it's almost kind of like reverse logic because it's the idea that, um, uh, well, one, like you haven't, like you're, you're kind of already presumed guilty if you started chalking them. And so like the lawyer that was arguing against the use of the chalk was basically saying, this is akin to putting a GPS tracker on a car. Wow, And that, you know the the supreme court has already ruled in 2012 is is an unconstitutional thing without a search warrant and going through some some due process big
1: chuck is watching you
0: yeah so it's interesting to use like a new technology argument against an old technology and the lawyer in me kind of sees some like fault there and that's what makes me kind of curious about how the uh, Circuit Court of Appeals came to this conclusion because there's like a a wrong way you're going on the timeline there, but I, it's an interesting it's an interesting argument, it's an interesting ruling in that regard. Um, what will be more interesting is to see you know if this kind of case comes to other jurisdictions and if they start splitting. Uh, like let's say like we're in the Ninth Circuit here in, mm-hmm. in Oregon. Let's say the Ninth Circuit says no, that's not an unconstitutional search. That's not like a GPS, that was incorrectly ruled, and here's our rule. And then like, you know, the third or second circuit on the East Coast decides to follow the Sixth Circuit, and then we start having different circuits with different rulings, then the US Supreme Court will kind of step in and come in and say like, no, this is the way it's gonna be, let's unify all the law across the land because it's too fractured. Um, And that'd be a really funny case to hear in front of the Supreme Court. But it's interesting, it's like a it's like a win for the little guy because who hasn't had their tires chalked? who hasn't gotten like a parking ticket because of these stupid things? Like, I don't know. I truthfully I think the first time I ever came to Portland with my parents, we got a ticket because of you know this exact same thing,
1: so I mean, isn't the whole point of the chalking to be able to time how long you've been in a time zone? Yes, so I guess the idea is I mean. I imagine the people that are still chalking don't have the little meters that prints out a ticket that you put on your right. so this is like what's in the a difference between the, the the ticket that you have to print out to put on your window and the chalk. It's essentially doing the same job, except for a stranger's touching ex- the tire of your car, I guess.
0: except the difference is when you go get like the little sticker that you put on your window, you're the one putting it on the window. Right. whereas when it's the chalk it's the police putting something on your and vehicle or they're planting chalk and on that's your car. where I think they're making <clears> this distinction <throat> so like it's like the GPS where it's like a police officer came and put something on your vehicle yeah. to monitor it right and if you frame it just like that you don't get into the technology of it and like you know the rudimentary nature of chalk and like the sophistication of GPS you just say police officer put something on your vehicle to monitor whether it moved and looking at that 2012 ruling, it's pretty broad yeah so you could say like okay i kind of get it and the kicker too was the the city government didn't have a legitimate reason to violate your fourth amendment right that's the other part of it where it's not like they're saying like hey this is a big public service this is something like like you'd have to show like a an elevated reason why that you know, you needed to mark them with chalk, and and like yeah, it was good yeah. for the public good to, you know, you have to have them.
1: Um, yeah, the public really benefits when the city makes money on your parking.
0: Well, that's the thing they were saying, like this is purely a revenue generation thing. So, like you don't Duh. get to violate someone's Fourth Amendment rights like this. You don't get to skip the the <laughs> warrant procedure because of profit generation. And that was a that's what like was really nice to see, like the court say, like, hey, you guys are just trying to make a buck. I like that. I'm into
1: that. I'm into the court. For once, looking at our side,
0: yeah, I, it's it's an interesting case. I I threw it on there just because I was like, yeah, it's a win for the little guy, right on. It is. Plus, you got to
1: use a a neat little, uh, like Indian style tri bike thingy
0: for the for your drawing. I like the I like the image that you have on the. Yeah, I do what I can. <laughs> I do what I can. Speaking I of it. speaking of images, that I do what I can. We had a Bothan spy send us a photo of Carlin Dunn testing a I naked know. Panigale V4R at Chuckwalla. I screamed when I saw that. It was funny because I, I sent the... <laughs> if you look at the photo, there's like the two bikes and there's someone with leathers on who's kind of bending right. over and it says done on their butt. <laughs> Who do you think that is? And I, and I sent a text message to Carl. I'm like, hey, your ass is on the front page of Asphalt and Rubber right now. <laughs> and he's like, I guess I can't deny it when my name is literally written <laughs> dun, on my bottle. Done, done. Um, So that, I mean... Lots to say about that, but it's very interesting to see. Uh, so Ducati obviously has entered Pikes Peak. Right. The Pikes Peak International Hill Climb with a unknown exhibition class machine. You and I have talked a little bit about that, whether or not it would be a Street Fighter V4. Right. Or just as it turns out to be, a naked Panigale V4R. It'd be cool if they call it like the Panigale Pikes Peak and it just ends up being a naked Street Fighter. Well, you know, or... that's the thing that's kind of interesting for me. And we saw that with the Multistrada. They came out with a Pikes Peak model. Right. You, you had one at one point, didn't I you? I had one, yeah. It's the, one of my favorite bikes a on the planet. Beautiful machine. Oh, God, I have such a soft spot for that bike. The only thing I don't like about that bike is I want like racier rear sets. So when I go to the track, I can actually ride it, it hard. It does grind on the ground. Yeah. I have found that out the hard way. I feel <laughs> like that should be a thing, but I digress. <laughs> but that, yeah, that bike came about because Pike, uh, Ducati started winning at Pike's Peak and they were like, um, uh, the current. CEO of Ducati North America is Jason Chinook. He's from the Colorado Springs area. Oh, of course. So that's, he was a big factor in getting Ducati to go race at Pikes Peak and being a part of that. And it would be cool to see something, but I can't see a Panigale V4R Pikes Peak edition coming out. Can you?
1: I mean, I think if they called it the Panigale Pikes Peak and it just ends up being a naked Panigale, instead of calling it the Street Fighter again, that would be uh, kind of my- cool. I'm, I'm, I'm sort of into that nomenclature.
0: Yeah, I think I'd rather have it called a call of Street Fighter. Though. Yeah, Street Fighter is a Street Fighter. I mean, yeah, I guess you're right. I don't know. I'm trying to see if they're going to do something brand new. Now, if there's like a Street Fighter V 4 Pikes Peak edition, that could be interesting. Nice a little multicolored one, like the yeah. Pikes Peak. Yeah, A little red, white, and carbon. I wonder if that'll be a thing, or if they'll keep it with the multi. Because I forget who Ducati's other rider is off the top of my head. So apologies, but I know he's going to be on a Multistrada.
1: But is that is that going to be a, a factory yeah. Multistrada yeah, yeah, or a yeah. dealership one? No, okay. Yeah, yeah.
0: So interesting. I have a lot of hopes because I'm I'm
1: wondering because the pictures that you know we see, it's just essentially a a V4R without its fairings on it. It's not really that cleaned up. It's there's nothing sort of factory finish to it. I understand, no. right? So I'm hoping that. During the actual race, they're going to be like, ta-da, here it is, the thing.
0: It's, it's got to have some fairings. They're gonna, they got to clean it up. I, I, I got to at, see um,
1: Aprilia's race bike at Coda that they're going yes. to have at Pikes Peak. And it's essentially an RSV4 with um, – I'm sorry, it's RSV4 Tuona with RSV4 – fairing that they fitted on it. It's a
0: Twono V4 right. with an rsv 4
1: fairing. You know what I'm talking about. A lot of fours. There's a lot in there. of fours. There's R's and S's and there's wheels and sticky tires. I don't
0: I don't fault you because Aprilia's names are very tongue twistery. They don't want to come up with like cool Italian names. I don't know why. Dorzo Duro is one of my favorite names.
1: Yeah. Not the shiver though, huh? No. Shiver, shiver. Italian for
0: awesome. Shiver. Shiver. Shiver me some motorcycle.
1: Shiver me motorcycle timbers. Dorsoduro, that sounds very Italian. It does. That is kind of sexy. Dorsoduro,
0: is kind of cool. Does it mean donkey? What does Dorsoduro <laughs> mean? The Aprilia jackass. Doesn't it sound like it should mean donkey? I've been I've been doing um, Italian lessons on Duolingo. Oh, and I'm kind of I meant the animals lesson. And Dorsoduro sounds like a donkey. I, to it you? sounds like donkey to me. It it totally isn't. What is Dorsoduro? <laughs> so Google says Italian detected. English translation: Dorsoduro. Well, thanks there. google thanks google you're on it you sure it's not like donkey horse
1: a donkey horse
0: Donkey I like horse. like that one M-U-L. um yeah i'll be curious to see I, i'm kind of getting excited about pike Peak. it's like my least favorite race to cover for so many reasons um it doesn't I really help. I want to go to it really, really bad just do to it
1: watch it. But I just I don't know if I have the gumption to get there and wake up at like three in the morning so I can go up the mountain and wait for these people.
0: Well that's the hard thing. Like practice this week is a f- gauntlet. It's a gauntlet of waking up at two in the morning, getting your ass to the mountain at 3 a.m., freezing your ass off until dawn. And it is cold. And then working your butt off until uh, nine or ten. Then you come down the mountain and then you start your day. Yeah. And you start every then you start your normal day. You do that for like Five days in a row. Well, no, not five, three. And you get a day off, and then race day, and it's just tough, and it's it's cold, and you're at elevation, and uh, Pike speaks fourteen thousand feet plus. Yep. I mean, it's no joke. The elevation. I mean, it starts out pretty high, anyways. Uh, yeah, it starts out pretty high. Colorado Springs at like seven thousand feet, eight thousand feet elevation. I think mm-hmm. six thousand feet, five thousand feet.
1: Many thousands of feet elevation to start out with. There's a cute little winery at the very bottom. I not yeah, guess it's a winery. Six thousand tasting I was,
0: I was close. Six thousand feet. But um, yeah, you do that, and then like the race organiz- organizers are just super hard to work with. They don't have. I'm pretty sure I'm I'm banned at this point because they have no problems banning people that say bad things about the race. <laughs> and just, it's a, no soup for you. <laughs> yeah, and, it, and it's really a car race. They don't really like the motorcycle people. They kind of just tolerate them because they bring some money with them. Like Ducati and KTM. And he's just like, just like and, and then like the safety is kind of appalling. Safety? The safety. Like. Safety? We don't it, even know what was thinking. Safety? We're going up a mountain at a gazillion miles an hour. It's always interesting to me. You go from the Isle of Man TT, and they literally have line of sight around the entire 37-mile course. You know, because they have 500 or 800 volunteers, something like that. Right. Marshalling it. And they have Marshall stations that are within, usually within line of sight of each other. Or, well, I mean, the or, whole or island shows up to it.
1: volunteer for that
0: thing. It does, well, a lot of people show up. It's amazing. People come from around the world and Pike Peak, It's not like that at all. Like there's just like a couple guys with a couple walkie talkies at two or three spots on the mountain. That's 16 miles long. And if you go down in between one guy and the other, like they don't really know where you are and they don't really know you're, you're down until like 10 minutes later when they realize you haven't come through yet. Are they just timing it? Like he should have been yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. Where's Bob? bob mm. should've been here by now. Huh? Bob, um, is he, he could be having a pee break. Why we don't we wait until the race is over, and then we'll go find Bob. Hopefully, he's not like bleeding out on a rock right now. Bob's in
1: the bottom telling everybody in the morning, guys, don't come looking for me. Yeah. If I don't show up five minutes late, I could be taking a mid-mountain shit.
0: Yeah, it's just, I don't know. If that race got closed down, or if they just stopped running motorcycles, I would totally understand why. And I think it would be dumb, but I would totally get it, because they're just...
1: You know the thing is, you know, you and I have talked about this before and you've always said that they're they're not privy to any sort of criticism. But the only criticism that I can think of for them is I wonder why they are not bringing in more people to just marshal the thing properly. Like take a couple of notes from the Isle of Man that's been going on far longer than Good this. Get of volunteers. It it's not that hard. There's plenty. Of, I guarantee you I can say, "Hey, how many of our listeners will go to Colorado Springs for this thing to Volunteer to keep this thing safe, so that we can keep having an awesome race in America. That's there. There's nothing else like it in the country, and I bet we'll get at least five or ten of our listeners to go. I'll go, and that's just us. Yeah. So I don't. I feel like they're not really trying hard enough, and now I feel like I've said too much, and I'll never be allowed to go there. No,
0: not your brand. Great. Because that's how they roll. Uh, who was it? They had a competitor uh, not too long ago who wrote like on like personal blog. It might even have been like a Facebook post that it was right after. Um, when the competitors died and it was very critical of like the safety there and you know how why he lost his friend and i think i don't know if he's been allowed to race since but i know he was banned <laughs> for a couple of years from from God, competing how dare like, you, hey, tell you have a competitor telling you how like you should be making this race better and your reaction is to ban them it's like do you work with yamaha do you guys have like the same <laughs> pr department like is this is the same philosophy <laughs> like that just seems like a really bad way of doing business but you know, that's just my opinion. You know what
1: really grinds my gears? It's I know, when right? people
0: don't listen to criticism. Well, I mean, like that's like the ultimate, right? It's like, oh, hey, someone's you know telling me how I could do this thing better, and understand that you probably are never going to do something perfect, right? But it's progress, not perfection. Perfect, yeah. That's that's one of my favorite sayings in the world. Yeah, but you're never going to progress if you don't know what you don't know. So, like, take constructive criticism. I don't know.
1: That hurts people's feelings that's when you just, tell them how to do their job better.
0: I don't know. Well, You know what? I stopped playing in the sandbox, too, at one point in my life, and that's how I learned how to be an adult.
1: I mean, in all seriousness, the only reason we're talking about this is because, uh, at least from my point of view, I want
0: to see this thing keep happening. I don't want it to I end. do, too. And I legitimately, like, every year, I wonder if it's last year. Ugh. I bet if more than one competitor died in a year, that'd be the end of it. Competitors just don't die, I guess. They're not gonna listen to us, so don't die. I, I mean I legitimately worry. Like Carlin Dunn's a good friend of mine. Rennie Skatebooks is a good friend of mine. I'd legitimately worry about them when they go race this this race. It's a gnarly race. You know? Going s-
1: up that mountain at normal speed is scary. Yeah. So going at the pace that they're going on two wheels, I mean, more power to those guys. I, those, you know, ever all.
0: since Carlin, you know, I shouldn't say that. Like Greg Tracy and and those guys before him were were hauling the beans too. But I feel like when Carlin showed up, it became next level. And then you started like seeing people like Jeremy Toy, Chris Fillmore, Renny Skaysbrook, these super fast guys yeah. that are you know elevating this kind of folksy road race to another level of competition now you see like guy martin's coming michael dunlop's coming this year dude yeah i mean okay so he's a little bit nutball
1: so but maybe still, you take that it's like factor a out Guy out martin's
0: it. gonna race it but yeah now you're bringing you know internationally known you know not just for the pike's peak because pike peaks internationally known it's like popular in japan and that's about it um <laughs> it's funny like the race is more popular outside the u.s than inside of it <laughs> isn't that amazing but you're bringing these kind of international celebrity status people who are legitimately some of the fastest people in the world, and I'm just kind of worried they're going to die. And I think I mean, like, if someone of that stature, that level, you know, goes down on the mountain, like it's going to bring international scrutiny. Mm-hmm. There's going to be a lot of people talking about what whether or not this race should continue. The Man TT has this debate every year, whether or not it should continue, because legitimately, if you look at the records. When you go cover the Isleman TT, you're probably going to cover at least two deaths.
1: That's deadly. It's one of the deadliest races, you know? if not the deadliest. It's
0: it's the only event I've ever gone to where I know, statistically speaking. Is the I'm Northwest gonna, 200 gonna, as deadly? That's pretty, uh, it's pretty I gnarly. I don't know if it is or not. I mean, the Northwest 200 is no joke. But, yeah, you go cover those Irish road races. You go cover the TT. You almost know with a certainty you're going to have to write an obituary, which is a weird thing as a journalist. Like, like to fly somewhere, to go cover an event, and you're like, I'm probably going to have to talk about someone dying this year. Yeah. At some point over this week, over this 10 days. It never gets easier. Uh, it's a little crazy. Um, It's just motorcycles. It's not like we're curing cancer. <laughs> we're so, just trying to have fun. Anyway, Shaheen, I there's a part of me that kind of wants to go this year and see Carlin and Rennie race. and, and uh, okay, If you end Chris, up going, I'm going to see again. if I can make it happen, because I really, really want to go. Yeah, we I've always talk. it's like it's every. I was a kid in Iran and I knew about the stupid race. We should we should look into it. It's worth looking into because you should go at least once. And I'll be curious to see um, if I can use an alias or something. Maybe <laughs> Jensen Yosef. It's the Jensen. No, 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 that Jensen guy. That's Me's, my no that's no my old No one likes He's him. He's Dutch. <laughs> <laughs> um, bu- 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 I can
1: bu- wear like a really crazy, like Russian-looking coat. I'll be like your bodyguard. Yeah. This very important man, Jensen Yosef.
0: This is Jensen Yosef. You don't, he, uh, you he don't know?
1: He owns every skyline top floor in Russia. Number two Only top floors. Maker in he rents them out for very good money on Airbnb. <laughs> 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 That's
0: my Airbnb uh, fortune. <laughs> <laughs> uh, last one I want to get through here really quick. I'm going to show you a picture. Ooh. This, sir. That's is, you naked. I don't want to look. Oh, oh! oh. Yeah. This is the most powerful triumph ever created. I really.
1: I'm. Listen, I, I wrote a comment on Asphalt and Rubber. Every so often, a cruiser comes out and it gives me a little chubby. That's one of them. You like this bike? I. It's just look at it. It looks stupid. It looks unreasonable. It looks hooligan like. It's got a shaft drive that you and I both know is going to break. But God dang it, it just looks like like Burnout City, and I'm the
0: mayor. So this is the Triumph Rocket 3 TFC. TFC standing for the Triumph Factory Custom. It's uh, 24... Well, it's 2,458 cc's of three-cylinder fury. It makes 168 horsepower, 163 pound-feet of torque. Uh, it's got some electronics on it. It's got some special bits and pieces. It's it, Triumph is basically made a new version of the rocket and has this new motor and i just think shaheen i don't know maybe this is just kind of like me being crusty but don't be crusty i just find it kind of sad that the brand that brought us the original like production street fighter He's is doing now a cruiser like, fighter is it though yeah man, it's a cruiser fighter isn't it sad that the most Powerful machine, and it's not like this is like a ridiculous amount of horsepower 170, you know, 168 horsepower. I know that, that part as, is kind of funny it's not a ton. Yeah, and you're still like, This is the most powerful Triumph ever. Why is the speed triple not the most powerful bike you've ever created? It should have just
1: been like the most torquey motorcycle Triumph well, ever made.
0: I mean, it is the most torquey, it's the most torquey production bike on the market, period. And that's and that's really impressive. But like, you sit there and you're like, Why isn't like one of your sport bikes that? Why is your cruiser that? But have you heard one with a crazy exhaust on it? No, I haven't. Evil. It's just evil. Not I, a big exhaust.
1: Dang, it's a heck. I love this bike. I know it's silly, but I really, really like it. And I, I'm with you. It should have been 200 horses. It should have been 220 horses. They should have slapped a supercharger next to it and been like, yeah, straight out of the factory. What? Especially for the price tag they put on it.
0: Oh, my God. It's twenty nine. There's also the most expensive dollar. you can buy. I know. <laughs> you just sit there and you're like, it's a glory. I, I guess if you're in the market, you're going to be looking at that. Maybe an old V Rod, maybe an X Diavel, maybe yeah, I'm into that. Maybe we're gonna get some kind of custom because i mean, at 30 Gs. You might as well start looking at you know some customs with an S&S motor in it. For 30 Gs, you can buy an X Diavel and
1: buy another bike and still go faster than this thing. Probably, this is probably true, isn't it? Yeah, and it'll handle better. Probably, it will.
0: I mean, this thing looks like a boat.
1: Now I've ridden uh I've ridden the original Rocket Three, and it is a mighty machine. It's roughly 10 feet from handlebar to handlebar. It's pretty big and wide. It handles pretty well for as big as it is, but it's no X diabol This is like a...
0: To be fair, an X Diablo is 24.3. That's for the S, at least. Yeah, the S model. It's 20... Right,
1: so you can buy an X diabol and then buy a little track bike or a dirt
0: bike. All right. I don't know. I, mean, I kinda, This is gnarly looking. I kind of like the look of it. I'm not going to hate like too much because it's... I do kind of like what they did the touches, the carbon fiber, the LED headlights. It's got all the electronics. The fit and finish looks really good. This is just a single seater, isn't it? Triumph makes gorgeous dashes. Yeah,
1: I do like their dash. They've
0: done a really good job on that.
1: Oh no, it is it. You can get a two-seater version. Yeah. I see. I yeah, see. yeah, there's a cowl that goes over yeah. the seat to yep, make it yeah. a
0: single or a, I I as a as a design exercise, I think it's a cool bike. I just here here's my thing. And th- this goes back before this bike was even come out. I did the speed triple rs launch in spain t- 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 two years ago now probably i think it was spring 2017 and i love the speed triple i almost bought the speed triple instead of my my street fighter it's a great bike yeah and, and it still is a great bike but you get on it and you're kind of like this I, again i come back like this was the original production street fighter this was i take that back this was the original fuck you production street yeah. fighter that was back when that was the thing. That was like a very British, raw, fingers in the air, no fucks given motorcycle, and that helped put you know that brand on on the map for modern sport bikes. And ever since then, they just never really had like a follow up. No. Oh, hey, we made the street triple. They just kept tweaking it every oh, year. We made a little it bit. Daytona. Yeah, oh, you know, good bikes, good bikes. Don't get me wrong, good bikes. But now I ride the Speed Triple in its modern form and I go, you know what? This isn't a street fighter anymore. No. This is a roadster. Yeah. This is very polished. Getting to R90 territory. Yeah, you can't you can't get too crazy on it. You can't do hooligan things on it. The electronics are a little weird. It's it's kind of it's kind of soft. It kind of lost that edge. And I feel like that's Triumph as a brand in terms of just what they're what they're focusing on. It's like you just are you guys just into making Bonnevilles? Because if, that, if that's what you want to do, that's cool, man. Bonnevilles and Tigers, that's their breadwinners. Just huh? just even the Tiger is getting a little long in the tooth. Mm-hmm. You know, like who's going to go buy a Tiger when you can get a KTM 790, when you can get an Africa Twin, you know? Steve Camrad. Well, he's got, you know, brain issues. I just want to say
1: his name so it'll make him happy. Yeah, well,
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Um. All I, don't know. I know is I don't know if I would pay thirty three thousand Canadian dollars for
0: this, dude. That's a lot of Canuck dollars. That is a
1: lot of. I didn't even know Canadians had that kind of how money many for motorcycles. Beaver pelts is that? Jeez Louise, man! That is that's at least how many baby seals do you need a club
0: to get thirty three? You got to go dollars? clubbing with
1: a lot of baby seals to get that kind of dough. Yeah, that's a lot of flubber.
0: Yeah, got to sell a lot of mucklucks. Hey, does that even work? Like on a currency conversion? I didn't even look. This could be an interesting. Ooh, that's actually a pretty good deal. So that should be almost 39,000 Canadian. Hmm. So here's the move. Buy it in Canada. Bring it across the border. There it is. Our can't, friends our friends to the north have actually got it going on pretty there good. Canadian
1: yet. listeners, there's a bargain bike for you. That can't be right.
0: <laughs> that can't be right. Did I screw that up? No man. The thing
1: is, Triumph probably screwed that up, and they're listening to this, going, "Oh shit! Oh, we fix made it, a horrible, it, it. we made a horrible <laughs> mistake. Damn it, damn <laughs> it, Jimmy! Go to your dealership now and put money on it at thirty three thousand Canadian dollars. Go now.
0: <laughs> I wonder how they screwed that up. The probably. thing
1: is, it's Triumph. You're going to buy it for twenty nine thousand USD, and like a week later, fuck it, a month later, it's going to be worth eighteen. Oh, brutal! Really? Come on, dude. Triumphs? Do they, they not hold, hold their value? value? No, hell no.
0: I don't I don't follow that too closely. I love them. I have
1: I have a lot of love for them, but they're not ever known for like the bike you buy that holds a shit ton of value.
0: Well, what bike does? Let's be fair. Harley. Okay, you kinda got me on that one. Well, that to be fair though, that's that's artificial because Harley Davidson will guarantee the trade in value. Yeah, well, you know, they got the the bank to back that shit up, I guess. They do. Um, I was just looking at their thing. Harley Davidson financial services is like ten percent of their total take home. <laughs> That's pretty good. That's huge. That's not bad. Just That's filthy as hell for a bank. Just for being a bank. <laughs> That's just, just showing another ten percent to a the suit. top line. Just for being a bank.
1: um One of the readers wrote something that I actually laughed out loud at, at work when I read it. It said, "Delivered by September or December." Ha! They couldn't even fix my blown motor in six months' time on a speed triple twice.
0: Lemon law, that shit. Dang. That's what the lemon law is for.
1: Yeah. Lemon
0: law. I would lemon law that sit on my hands for a little while. Well, I guess it is the start of the riding season.
1: Yeah. I know. Mm. It sucks not having a motorcycle right now. Unless you live in the southern part of the
0: country, in which case it's always the riding season. And that's true. I guess what would I do in that situation? I would lemon law that for sure. I would go get a 20 V4. Yep. I would enjoy that all year long. Uh huh. And wait and see what comes out in the next year or two
1: like a Ducati, Street, Ducati
0: Fighter. Street Fighter, a new version of the V4. Um, maybe Triumph comes out with a rad speed triple, but you're probably kind of triumphed out at that point. That's why, I,
1: honestly, I just keep waiting for Triumph to be like, oh, we were working on this 200 horsepower speed triple.
0: No, man, they just keep coming up Bonneville. Yeah. Like, Jones. hey, here's another Bonneville. Listen, the
1: Bonneville just makes itself. You don't, just like, there's like a couple of old British dudes that, Drink a pint of the black stuff and make Bonnevilles. Whatever It'll they have
0: cornered the fake carburetor market. They have. It looks really good. No though. one else can get in. Can get in on that. No Triumph soak that up like a sponge. It it looks perfect. It, it does. angers a lot and, of people. And truthfully, they ride pretty pretty well, and so they sound I really good. They Look, they look good. really good. Yeah. I, I can't get. I can't hate too much on it, but it's just not my jam. I'm just never gonna buy a Bonneville. Never. Yeah, I'm legitimately fine saying I am never gonna buy a Bonneville. I'd rent one. I
1: mean, like if I went to England I'd and rent I was riding a, around,
0: I'd rent a bouncy house too. But it doesn't mean I want it in my garage. What? Why? Is this a
1: thing? Can we do this? A bouncy house. It's happening. Brap talk brands. Oh, that'd be fun. Do
0: like a <laughs> brap talk picnic with a bouncy house. Amazing. We'd have to get waivers. Oh yeah, absolutely. that would turn WWF style so fast. So fast. Whiskey in a bouncy house, what oh, could possibly goodness. go wrong? But yeah, I just I'm just never gonna buy Bonneville. I'm just never gonna be into riding that slow on something like that. I just don't I don't have a single part of my bones that likes heritage bikes. No, you don't. I, I can like the way they look to a certain point where I'm like, oh, that's an that's that's that has a nice aesthetic to it. It's just not for me. No, I don't no. like craftsman homes, but I walk by one in Portland. I go, that's a nice craftsman there. You guys did a good job with it. It's not for me. No? You're a modern guy. I am a modern guy. You're make, a modern make, fellow me, with modern me, needs. Just give me a boxy shaped thing with right angles and nothing inside of it and we're I, good.
1: I agree on the house side, but you know, I I don't know. It's something about the classic bikes that makes me go, that's cute. I'd ride it. I don't know if I'd ever buy one,
0: but I'd ride it. I'd ride write anything just to have the experience so I can talk about it intelligently. But that's the thing. I'm ne- I'm never going to buy it. I think
1: that's why I like that Kawasaki Z900. I would... Ooh, you almost said it.
0: The Z900 is cool. That's it's cool. Classic looking? It's classic looking, but it's got a modern engine underneath it.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, that's what I mean when I say classic looking. It's just I want it to look classic, but
0: like I want a 19- well, 1922 no, no, house with You're talking about the Z900 RS. You're not yes. talking about the Z900. The Z900 is a anteater insect looking no 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 the the rs yeah the rs and the cafe and that's one of the things i sit there it's the same with um if you can throw a shout out for uh walt siegel his bold um mv augustus oh i can Ugh. get into that where it's like hey it, it's got that cafe it, like, look me melt but it's an mv three cylinder underneath one of the best motorcycles out there right i can get into that where it's like okay yeah you got that classic look i dig it I dig it. It looks really good. You got a good platform that you use in there. Yeah, so it's mechanically going to do the thing really well. Am I ever going to buy one? I mean, if I had that kind of money, Even probably, then, though, like, I don't think I would. Really? It's just not my jam. He's oh, making man. other things that I think are way cooler. It's just, it, it's one thing to appreciate, and it's another thing to know, like, that. hey, that's not my wheelhouse. Like, all I've ever wanted
1: was a classic, I don't know, like a 1949 Ford Roadster with, like, brand new engine and transmission and brakes and suspension on it i just like the looks of the classic stuff but i like modern technology because it works well mostly
0: i'll tell you what the only here's here's how i kind of break it down the only vintage thing that i get really into is classic muscle cars classic american muscle cars give me an old camaro give me an old i'm not even that into mustangs i really like camaros um your team man all day, buddy. Give that girl a
1: 1979 Iroc Z. She's the happiest woman yeah, on the planet.
0: That that I could get into. Like I could see myself legitimately, like in my in my elder years, being like, yeah, I want to get like a, you know, 1967, you know, whatever, and and just to put, imagine a big, he's an put a an old Jensen with the old Camaro. yeah, just put a big
1: V eight in it. You no, know, by and, the time you're old, basically a 2010 like Camaro is gonna be an old Camaro
0: no but i want like yeah something between like i got one of these here
1: zl1s it's got a supercharger
0: yeah i do like stingrays i like the old stingrays yeah a little bit of a death trap but that's all right a
1: little bit fiberglass (laughs) fiberglass. and it's flammable (laughs) and it's got a motor and a fuel tank that leaks
0: i saw a gremlin the other day and i was like that's a good looking car (laughs) what a fucking death trap you are but man do you have some character Jensen Beeler does not like Bonnevilles, but the gremlin gets him going. But that's the thing. But that's kind of where I cut it off. <laughs> All like right, the Wayne. 70s. Anything pre seventies, <laughs> anything basically. Well, I shouldn't say pre seventies, pre sixties. Um. It's just kind of dead to me. I don't know. I'm a weird dude. I hey, understand. You, but, it. Well, you are, and that's why I love you. Um oh, man, this note thing is just never gonna boot up. Freestyle, buddy. Tell me what you've been up to, sir. I have I feel like I haven't seen you I haven't seen you since our last show. I haven't seen you I since even, I stole
1: your motorcycle from you.
0: You did and you returned it and now you're going to take it again. right back. I just brought it so you could look at it
1: again like I, hey it exists. I promise. It's still in one piece. So proof of life. It's <laughs> got a full tank of gas. I talk to it every day when I see it in the garage. Uh, you know what the thing is I've only ridden it 3 times including today.
0: Oh, wow. Cuz I got my other bike That's a lot back. Restraint.
1: It's just oh, dude, every time I look at it and, and even Ann's like how come you ride in the street fighter? I'm like it's not mine. I want to i'm gonna it's insured it is insured and it's so pretty <laughs> and it makes by the way did you know you don't have mirrors on that bike you don't need mirrors if
0: you're going faster than everything that's else fair
1: because i've been doing that and you're right you don't that's the riding philosophy of a street fire yeah and did you know that bike is way narrower than a Multistrada enduro oh my god so much, yeah, so much how, more narrow you know how much lane splitting i've been doing in that thing <laughs> all of it <laughs> traffic what traffic i gotta go <laughs> And I feel like people don't know I'm coming until I've passed them and their mirrors have shattered because oh. it makes such a booming noise. Uh, it's, you can hear that bike coming. That so, clu- the clutch used to be a lot louder. It's just all the right. I, my earplugs are put way in
0: so it doesn't blow my ears out. You can't ride that bike without earplugs. You can't. No, there's it's, no way. It's annoyingly
1: loud. It's so beautifully loud. That bike makes me so... That bike is, is top five favorite Shaheen bikes. That you've let me borrow it has made me love you even more. It's like somebody giving me the keys to a... Of Ferrari uh, 599. It's up there for me.
0: Mm. Mm. Love
1: well, that. I'm glad I could do that for you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You yeah, yeah. Uh, have. So anyways, I've been lovingly riding your bike a little bit. But um, I've done, you know, I was watching you kind of have your fun in the weekend, kind of having a relaxed day at the track, which we'll talk about. Um, so I decided to do a group ride. As, as I've mentioned before, I'm the president of the local Desmo owners group um you're the you're the head ducati club. i'm the head ducati of portland yeah ha, take that who the hell let that happen anyways um so i i, I let my fairweather riders have their season opener um and the weather was beautiful we rode from portland to the coast and we took a nice twisty road all the way to astoria where the goonies
0: happened back in the day still never been there still never seen the Goonies. really 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 you oh, you're don't lucky. even know what the I'm plot guessing. line is it's I'm it's not like giving it away. kids doing mystery Hell solving yeah, it's thing. Yeah, kids
1: doing mystery solving thing and there's a big dude and he's got disfigured face and
0: How is this different from Stranger Things?
1: It isn't. It's funnier. That's the only difference really. Okay. You ever seen the movie um fuck camera never mind. Um so we went to Astoria and then realized there's something going on there so we ended up going to Seaside which is just south yeah, of yeah. Astoria. Uh had a had some food, a little brew and It made me think about the whole dynamic of a group ride. And so I put it up on Instagram like, hey, what's everyone's thoughts on group rides? Because like in my head, I feel like I like the idea of a group ride because I want people to be together because I'm an extrovert and I enjoy the company of all my fellow uh, riders. But when it happens, I realize there's a lot of stress there because there's always this balancing work of I want to ride fast and have a good time, but I also know because I'm the leader of this group, I need to sort of be a little more gentle and take care of the people that are with me, but also I'm not babysitting you, but I should maybe keep an eye on you. So it's just this constant back and forth. And I know a lot of people have their philosophies on there. What is your thoughts on group rides, Jensen? I hate
0: group rides so much. What do you hate group rides? Um, mostly I don't like going on rides with people I don't know. That's the big one. Because, That's a huge one. Uh, truthfully, actually, I was about to say, I don't go on group rides at all anymore. No. Professionally, I go on group rides all the time yeah, you went on a huge group ride on friday saturday sunday uh, yeah
1: right <laughs> but no when you go on,
0: you go on a press launch it's basically a group ride like yeah. you get you know half a dozen to a dozen journalists in a, a group and you have a, a control ride at the front and back and you go and you do this ride and um and that's how we do the street launches um That's a little different, though. Everybody's sort of semi-professional. Well, that's the thing, right? And that's why I don't have as much of an issue with it. And, And even then, though, I do. Because every now and then, I would say it kind of depends how they mix up the groups. Usually, it's like all the Americans and Canadians are together. Usually, or it's all the Americans are together. And I know... Basically everyone i'm riding with every now and then there's someone new that kind of shows up or it's a publication that isn't usually at launches or they have like that alternate that came in because four other guys are busy or gals are busy um uh so like i'm thinking like i just did the the last launch i was at was the husky sparklin launch and there was two people well, actually, if I think back to that whole European trip, because that was like a bunch of different launches, there was like two or three people that I'd never ridden with before and didn't know what their their status was. And that can be a little a little scary sometimes, especially if there's like social media influencers mm-hmm. who tend to have more flash than substance. Uh, I wouldn't say that's 100% the case. I can think of a couple people that can really ride that are really solid. And I can think of a couple of people that kind of tell it the way it is. And I can definitely think of more than a couple people that pretend to have a certain skill level and you get them on a racetrack or on a street ride. And you're like, hey, I'm not even sure you know how to ride a motorcycle. <laughs> so, th- but that is kind of analogous to my ex- experience doing group rides. I did a group ride uh, last year for charity, uh, one of the local charities that our friend uh, that. Colin puts together. And even then, there was a, I remember b- being behind a, a rider. And they kept brake checking into every turn. And they kept swerving around in their lane. And they didn't know how to do a staggered formation. Mm-hmm. And this is someone that's like, I ride in groups all the time. And you're like, I don't think you do. I don't think like anyone sat you down and told you how to do this. And that drives me a little crazy. And I've had just too many experiences, even on press launches. I can think of one press launch where on the group ride portion, we had a newer person uh, to the space. It was like a social media type person. And we were coming off the freeway and we were actually pulling over on the off ramp. And I don't know if they weren't paying attention or what, but they basically threaded the needle at about 90 miles an hour through us on the off ramp while we were doing like 25 miles an hour. Ooh. So you had a, can't do the math of my head, 50, 65 mile an hour delta between, between the bikes. <sighs> and I mean, that's a quick closing just. That just ended the best way it possibly could because of sheer dumb luck. And I remember talking to the person, the, the the PR person afterwards and said, hey, you guys get to invite whoever you want to invite. And that's none of my business. But if you invite this person again, like, just don't invite me. Because <laughs> cause legitimately, I'm sitting there like legitimately, I don't want, i is going to get hurt if they continue to be at press launches. And we had a track portion um the next day. No, later that day. It was the same day. And this is someone that had put themselves out as a very accomplished track person. And you get out there and they they can't hold a line and they're brake checking into turns and like they're really erratic. Like like B group pace but with C group decision making. Oh, And you just sit there. Clearly a new
1: rider. Yeah. At least new to that kind of arena. Just not
0: good at track riding. Right. You know, not. You know, they they said they were a racer, and they like you have a race license from someone. Then, like, I want to talk to that group.
1: I think in that group, it's probably pretty scary and daunting to be around a bunch of professionals. And if you're not one, you have to kind of maybe put up an air <sighs> that says, "Hey, I can totally hang with you guys." But unfortunately, when it comes time to ride together, it's gonna come out, man. Like, you're better off saying, "Hey, I'm not comfortable. I'm gonna hang back."
0: Yeah, it's just. I mean, I just sat there and I was just like, "I'm gonna get hurt." You know, this is like, this is someone that's going to cause an accident. I'm going to get hurt. And then, you know, my livelihood is being able to, to type out stories. It's being able to talk on a yeah. podcast. It's, it's doing all these things. And if I'm all bandaged up and have broken hands and,
1: and all that you. jazz, just,
0: just dictate, dude, when I broke my collarbone and I, I broke my left hand, I was typing with one hand <laughs> and it was, and it sucked. And I, I come back to that when you sit there and yeah. it's like, you know, that's the, the alternative and, Okay. We ride motorcycles and there's like a certain amount of risk taking that has to come with that, but it feels like it's an unnecessary risk. It feels like an unforced error. Right. And I had that same issue with like riding with groups where I sit there. If I don't know the people, if this is like, like this charity ride is a great example. I didn't know a single person there except for the person hosting the ride. So I don't know what the skill level is with anybody. And it's just, I don't want to be in that situation. Too many things can go wrong. I like to ride by myself. I like to ride with a couple people that I know. Right. I like, When I was in um, college, I wrote a lot in the street and we had like a little group and we really didn't like having other people come join us and and it never failed. Like that one time somebody brought a buddy, that buddy was always the one that crashed.
1: Always, It's amazing and I've heard that and I've experienced that for, for so many years and it's just like without a doubt, as soon as that new person comes up and I think again, it has to do with a certain level of nervousness and ego and you add those two things together and it can be deadly. Um. On this ride, I sort of made it a point. I'd done a similar ride two years ago, and we had two people who went down. The first person actually got into a ditch on probably the softest turn I've ever, like just this side of a straight line. It was a left-hand curve, and the person went down. I I think they had object fixation, or target fixation, rather, and they broke their leg. Um, And then the second person, nothing so bad. They were going through a pretty slow turn, they came off their bike, and Again, I think they kind of freaked out because they saw a little bit of gravel. But I thought, okay, if I'm going to do this ride again, I need to maybe just sit down and have a quick little meeting with everyone that's involved in this riding group and see if I can you know, have a situation where people can voluntarily put themselves in a group. So I sort of said in the beginning, all right, if you are a fast rider or think you're going to ride quicker than the pace I'm going to go, which I'm going to go on purpose a slower pace, go ahead of us. This is the direction. These are the roads we're going to take. These are the places we're going to stop. We will catch up to you. And so I would say out of 20 something riders, uh, six or seven of them took off ahead of us. And that was fine. The group that I was with, I mean, I tend to ride quicker as well. If I'm riding with people like you, we'll just go faster on the streets. But I made it a point to go only like 10 miles an hour faster than the speed limit. And then you know, if one of the Turn-indicated speed signs came up, and it said like 30. I know in my head I can usually go times 2 plus 10 at a safe pace. But in this group, I was like, okay, I'm just going to go maybe like 10 or 50 miles an hour faster than that. And everything was fine. But I had to just constantly reiterate, or I thought I had to reiterate, like, guys, I'm going to go really slow. So if you think you're going to be bored of me, you're welcome to pass the group at a safe spot. I don't want to see any double-line Blind corner passing, yeah, and it's shit we've done ourselves. But again, when we're riding with like three or four of us that we know what we're doing, it's a different pace. And so it made me think of the article, the pace. Have you read that thing? Yes, it's old school. Yeah, I that's, tell that's everybody like the- who wants to ride in a group read the pace. It's called the pace. Look it up on Google. I think it's on Motorcyclist website still. But just read this damn thing. It'll it'll give you a good perspective of how you should differentiate street riding from you know racing or that racing mentality. Because one of the yeah. biggest issues with these group rides is you usually get a handful of people, and I'm going to go on a go and say it's guys who have big egos, and they're riding faster motorcycles, and they want to show you that they know how to ride, especially if they're riding with a person that they think is more accomplished than they are, and they want to show you that they can keep up, and they, they want to show you that they know what they're doing. But you get those instances where they're brake checking you into turns, where they're freaking out, and they're missing gears, and they're going wide into a blind turn into oncoming traffic. And so stuff like that is what makes you kind of pause and go, okay, no more group rides because I'm also trying to concentrate on not getting hurt and so I don't need to keep watching you. So I think you know, the only thing I, I came up with was this. I don't mind the idea of a group ride. I enjoy the, the camaraderie that it brings along with it. But the thing that I don't like is the unknown factor. And so if I'm gonna lead the ride, I'm gonna be real strict about what rules we're gonna have. And if you break that rule, I'll just walk up to you, man to man or man to woman, and say, listen, you fucked this up. If you do it again, I'm going to ask you not to join us again. End of story. There's no feelings hurt. I just don't want anyone physically to get hurt from it. So all that said, I had a blast doing that. Uh, it was actually a lot of fun. We had a lot of new writers who hadn't been with us, uh, and who may have just moved here from, actually, we got one guy who just moved here from, um, the Netherlands. And so it was neat to, you know, invite him to the group and he got to meet a lot of people and network a little bit. So it, it has a lot of positives, I think. Uh, as long as you, don't act like an idiot and get hurt.
0: I mean, one of the cool things about riding motorcycles is the camaraderie. Yep, and and the community that comes with it. Whether it's you know you're doing it with a Ducati club, so there's kind of like a shared community of, of motorcycle. But there's obviously like regional clubs, city clubs. There's there's um, we were just talking earlier before the podcast about one of our it's literally a riding club, the Saint Francois Riding Club here in mm-hmm. Portland, who's very active. And there's there's Flying Fifteen, there's Cretans, there's. Am I forgetting one? Those are those are
1: good groups because after that you start getting into like clubs. Mongols. Mongols, yo. Hells Angels. Dude, I saw Hells Angel in the airport when I was going to Kodo. I forgot to tell you. Oh, yeah? Like full on geared up Hells Angel, tattooed up. The guy must have been in his 60s and like... He looked rough around the edges. He'd been around. He'd seen a couple of things. He
0: transported some meth.
1: Holy shit. This guy looked... i have never seen a Hell's Angel in person until that day. Really? At at PDX.
0: One of the weirdest experiences I've ever had in my motorcycle journalistic endeavors was seeing the Hell's Angel chapter for Milan, Italy at ICMa. They had a booth at (laughs) ICMa. What were they selling at ICMa? They were just kind of standing around like being... Hell's angels weird I guess they like they weren't that like tough that's I mean you you know, like, that you think a like a hell's's gonna be, be like, a lot of them to, to be tough I think I mean I'm pretty sure like they're just one spaghetti noodle short of a picnic yeah, I,
1: don't know. I I will say I don't this know. when I lived in LA I actually ended up made, making friends unwittingly with a couple of mongols coolest bunch of dudes ever like, I actually had a good time with them, but we didn't, like, we just kind of, like, hung out and rode. We didn't, I didn't do any of their Mongol business, whatever happens in the background. But I was excited to see a Hell's Angel. I was like, dude, that's a real live Hell's Angel. And then there was a couple of dudes who had some kind of a local club vest on with their stuff, you know, their all their patches and this and that on there. They would not make eye contact with this dude. It was, I just sat in the background. And I was like, look at this. I feel like. I'm in the Serengeti watching the wild animals going at it (laughs) and everybody's scared of that fucking lion with the scars on its
0: face. David Ambrose somewhere doing a voiceover. (laughs) There is a very, there's a weird thing with like the outlaw biker thing and the rider clubs and I don't know, it's not my jam. No. But but I will say like the camaraderie is a definite part of the motorcycle experience and whether it's a formal gathering of people like your club or when these riding clubs or even an outlaw biker gang kind of thing. Or if it's just like, hey, I've got two, three buddies. We like to go ride on the weekend. Right. We made it. We met each other at the country club playing squash, and it turns out we all have bikes, and this is the other thing we do yeah. to get away from our our families. Um, you know, whatever whatever makes it work, like I'm down with that. I think that's a huge component. And some of my literally some of my best friends in life, man, so many of my best friends in life are just people that I met out riding. Yeah, and we're riding buddies.
1: Motorcycling. I'm. I, I 100 so, agree with you. Ninety nine percent of people in my life was
0: because of motorcycling. It's kind of like you got to take the good with the bad, and then like you know me, like I don't, I'm not like a big people person. So it's like once I find my people, I'm like, okay, I got my people, I'm good. Okay, no, no no, 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 stay. Wait, you? Nope, nope, nowhere. Else. I got my quota. I'll put you on the waiting list. Maybe we can talk about it.
1: <laughs> I like when you give people dirty looks in my house when they come to my house and you don't know them. Yeah, you're like, who the fuck let who you? Who are, are you? Here?
0: <laughs> let me see Did, some see credentials. Like, can someone vouch for this guy?
1: <laughs> He didn't bring any Mountain Dew. No, you may not. Get away from my Mountain Dew. Not for you. It's
0: for me. Oh, they man. Keep, Heaven and forbid. puts this in the closet for Heaven me. Heaven forbid. There was... What was the last party we were at? I'm getting there. I'm getting the Mountain Dew because the, the special bottle of Mountain Dew that right. Ann got for me. Yeah, Ann got, got t- me. The stash. And then, you know, I put it down and I put the lid on and then someone else grabs it and I just look at him am like... Oh, no, you didn't. No, no, no. You don't understand. This is mine. This isn't for you. This I isn't, have license to stab this you isn't this. isn't communal. <laughs> i know is, the host i will i will hide your body in the basement they,
1: they will let me bury you in the backyard
0: have you seen truly he's ferocious Oh dude
1: that dog is just all something <laughs> i don't know what just blank thoughts oh
0: man it must be so disappointing to meet me in real life <laughs> oh my god jensen beeler don't talk to me okay i'm <laughs> <laughs> pretty good in person I think you're good. I like meeting. I like meeting fans. I just don't don't hug me. You're a highly functioning uh, introvert. Yes, that's what I am. Yeah, I'm like an introvert that's on like a an extrovert learning program, which is why you need your alone time. Yeah, exactly. After this, I haven't. It's been a busy few weeks. I even told my girlfriend that I'm like, hey, just heads up, I need some only child time. <laughs> I need to be at home. I need to get some work done. I just want to want to sit on my couch watch some TV while I crank out some stories and edit some podcasts and cuddle with the cat and just do that for a couple of days. I need a little time off. I need some.
1: Has some. she learned this about you? Is she accepting of it? No. Let's air your laundry on She's the kind answer. of the other
0: way around. <laughs> so we have to kind of like negotiate it. So like we went skiing yesterday or tried or to. Or did you? Yeah, so I have to make some sacrifices. I, I, I know that I'm an imperfect human. I mean, are we all... We are. Except for Ann. She's perfect. She's, she's pretty good. Hashtag T-Man. T-Man. Um, you went on the alley sweeper? Dude. You said holy yes. crap. I've lived in
1: Portland for four years, and I've heard I heard about the alley sweeper probably like three or four years before I moved to Portland, because it's been going on for 10 years now. 2009 is when it started. And it's always been like this cool thing. It was like one of the draws of Portland. Like, that's such a weird city where all these bikers get together and ride their bikes through all the alleyways. and. You know, these unpaved old school streets of Portland. And so the first three years that I lived here, I couldn't go because I worked at Motocorsa, Corsa. And, you know, Saturday is a busy day. You don't get to take Saturday off. It's actual, like, work day. Um, and then this year, I didn't know it was happening. And I, and I committed myself to a work thing for a couple hours in the morning. And then literally right before I went to sleep, I got a message from a buddy who said, hey, you going to go on the ride tomorrow? I'm like, no, no, the ride's on Sunday, thinking he's talking about my Ducati ride. He's like, no, I'm talking about the alley sweeper. I was like, are you fucking kidding me? I'm going to miss it again, a fourth year. So I went to work. I did the thing. We left a little bit earlier and I thought and I caught up with the, with a group because there's like, like two to 300 riders that meet together and then they break up into a, you know, handful of groups of, I think like 10 to 20 people, uh, or 10 to 20 motorcycles, I should say. And I caught a group and the group that I was with was, I would say average age was about 40. And the average motorcycle was like a KTM 300 dirt bike, like an enduro bike. And so I show up in my 550-pound Multistrato 1200 enduro. Hi, guys. Hey, guys, I'm here. <laughs> Where are you going to go? So while you were donning your superhero leather suit, I had my uh, hooligan enduro gear on and went through some crazy alleys, climbed some stairs, went through all the back roads and all the dirty alleyways full of puddles. And I'll tell you this much. I would say... Ninety percent of the local population, the residents of the areas that we were riding, were like psyched to see us. They were excited. There was kids sitting on their dad's shoulders and like waving at us, and you know wanting to high five us as we, as we went around. There was an old lady that just gave me the dirtiest look. So I stood up on my bike and I waved at her and I told her I have a great day, and she waved back. Yeah, but it was, she didn't you. smile. She just waved back at me
0: like changing hearts and minds. Fucking get out of here!
1: I, that's me. I'm trying to influence. I'm a fun-fluencer.
0: funfluencer. Funfluencer.
1: Um. So. Like it. I finally got to do the alley sweeper and I can see where some people would get annoyed because you had a really rough experience like
0: three years ago. Um, two years ago, three, I think it was three years ago. Three sounds about right. Yeah. I was on mm. my hyper 821 and some dude got super angry, came running out of his house and just pushed like, well, first what he did is he jumped into the middle of the alley. Woo. And then we started like playing like a game of chicken and I just kind of like start. <laughs> slowing down so then like i start to go around him and as i'm passing him by he just pushes me over you fell off yeah no bike went over and everything oh and and i was just in there and he's like you hey, what are you doing like that nah, 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 like you can't you guys are like my children play here and i'm like this is a public road you let your children play in a public road you're out of your damn mind so we ended up having to call the cops portland pd had to come
1: did you become lawyer jensen at that time jensen uh, joseph esquire
0: no no actually um the lady friend i was dating like we had to like pull her back she was ready to go fist, full fisticuffs what full fisticuffs it was it was actually kind of funny to see like um
1: you don't throw my man on his back only i throw my
0: man on his like, back she was on it man <laughs> oh that was i forgot about that until just now that was that was a sight i was i was far more calm and rational and i'm sitting there was like i'm like dude what the f- what are you doing? Like, you're pushing me over. Like, like you literally just assaulted me. You literally just ran out of your house to assault me because you don't like the fact that I'm doing something that's completely legal. And that's the thing that's always really tough about the alley sweep because it wasn't like I was speeding. I was going 15 miles an hour. Yeah, nobody was really speeding. It was actually kind you of neat. And it's a public road and, th- and it's actually, it's an alley that I, that I run down all it's the time. It's your neighborhood. I it's, went past your house a, like three times. It's a couple blocks away where I got pushed and I'm telling, like, I'm like, listen, like, Cause like, like he kind of finally calmed down once the police showed up. he was like, "Oh yeah, I did oh, something." Oh, this is real. <laughs> He's like, "Sorry, I have <laughs> like some. Thing. I have like some anger management issues. Mm-hmm. I'm working on it." And I'm like, "Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, I could tell you have some anger management. Your kids over here crying right now, by the way, because dad, dad's crazy. <laughs> dad's but got, it again." But I told him straight. On, I was like, "Listen, like I live here. I live in this neighborhood. Like we're like two blocks from my house. We're gonna run into each other at Safeway at some point. <laughs> like that's what that's what this, happened. That'll this is. That'll be an awkward this conversation. This is a community thing." And and sure enough, like a year later, I ran into him outside his house. and like He's like with his whole family. Like, Do you recognize you? No, but I'm like running by and he's kind of looking at me and like, I forget what his name. Well, you had a helmet on, so it's a little harder to tell. No, 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 because at that point I'd taken all my gear off because we literally were like, I'm calling the cops, motherfucker. We're going to sit here. We're going to talk about it. You're going to talk to a police officer for sure. And like I start running away, and he kind of looks at me like, "Like, do you remember me? And he goes, i recognize him i'm like yeah you pushed me off your motorcycle off my motorcycle i'm on my run right now i live a block away
1: he's like no i don't remember you sir i'm here with my family yeah i know
0: yeah it's <laughs> <just> like <laughs> awkward a little awkward not, not an opera for me in um, the words of mortal Kombat. whoopsie it is funny like i remember having a couple interactions with people that were a little poopy Like i remember a guy he was like you're the reason all these alleys are rutted up and you're like do you uh, see how all the ruts <laughs> are on like a two track like that's about cars. the width of a car it's not us no. it's not us it's all the cars that come through here
1: we, we went through one alley that i think used to be an alley at one point and then it got overgrown by berry bushes that's the one thing I don't, a lot of people don't realize about the northwest we have berry bushes everywhere. oh my god yeah they're delicious and painful and they're just full of thorns so i see like all these guys kind of like figuring out a way to go around this thing and i'm watching them kind of go up and down very abruptly and i'm like what are they going over and so I let everybody go ahead of me because I'm on this huge motorcycle. I'm thinking, am I going to be able to do this thing? There was another dude on a Multistrata with street tires on it. And he turned around. And he's like, not it. I'm not going to be able to make that thing. And I committed to it. I went all the way through this thing. There were railroad ties in the middle of this alley. <laughs> and I'm just bouncing over them with my Multistrada. And when I went to the other side. Everybody in the dirt bikes was just watching me. And they, I got a very good little ovation. Uh, everybody was proud of the giant ballerina going through there. Um but it was so much fun. I'm really glad I got to do it. Um, I would recommend anybody in Portland who rides an enduro. It has to be plated. It has to be street legal. Yes. Um, if you're going to do it, do it. But be respectful of the neighbor. There's no reason to be crazy and, and ride on people's you know yards or sidewalks. Uh, so the group I was with was super well-controlled. I did hear from a couple of other people that I met up with later on that they were in a group with a couple of youngsters who were just being hooligans. And it's like, hey, man don't fuck this up for the rest of us. Yeah, we're right? We're all trying to have a good time. We're all trying to do this thing in the neighborhood because I really, truly mean it. I think 90-something percent of the people that saw us coming were so excited. I mean, it was like seeing a kid stare at me while I was riding by, jumping over uh, you know, a, a railroad tie made me think of myself when I was a kid. I, I saw motorcycles, I heard them, I smelled them, and I fell in love with them right then and there. So that's I think the future.
0: I think if we treat it right, and you, I think you said a good thing before the show, like it's a parade, it's not a ride. Yeah. If you treat it like that, it's a great it can turn into a great kind of uh ambassadorship for motorcycles in the Portland area. And and truthfully right now we're trying to pass lane splitting. Yeah. In in the state of Oregon. And I would hate for that not to happen because something like the alley sweeper got a bad reputation or people were bad actors. Look, like, oh, all those guys, every year they come through my backyard doing wheelies and making roosts and being bad people <laughs> with their methamphetamines or, and the shenanigans. So why would I let them lane split? Vote that down.
1: Um, you know, what'll probably hurt our lane splitting is. So on Sunday, when I finished my group ride, I came around sort of a long way with my buddy and we were riding down highway 26 heading towards Portland. And, not 15 minutes after we rode that ride, apparently it got shut down because three guys on street bikes, on sport bikes, were sort of, I guess, haphazardly lane splitting, according to the article. And they were going about triple speed, uh, triple digit speed limit, uh, or speeds, I should say. And one of them smacked into the back of a car as he was lane splitting. And then the other two saw it happen and they also went down, shut down the entire highway, and that they all had to get ambulanced out of there. I remember reading this going, this is going to fuck up the whole lane splitting thing for us because somebody who doesn't ride a motorcycle and I talk to them daily, people that know me, that know I ride motorcycles every day say, nope, I'm against it because I think it's dangerous. Because from a car driver who never rides a motorcycle's perspective, what we do is dangerous first of all. And then when they see people riding through traffic at just bonker speeds going between cars and as you said, threading the needle, they're going to look at us as a bunch of assholes. And so if somebody lets us lane split, that's just like giving us a license to be assholes. So Please be a little more gentle on this shit. Let's get this passed. It's it's better for all of us. And truly, it'll, it'll make it a reason for for us to get motorcycles to ride through this shitty traffic that's happening anyways. Because every city is growing, and it'll make it where the industry thrives because more motorcycles are going to get bought if they're if people are able to do things like lane split or have better parking situations on a motorcycle.
0: Yeah, and that law is in a precarious state right now. Trying to get so that passed. Precarious, yeah. So, I was just I just got an email today about it that it's kind of stuck in committee and may not get out if, you know, we're going to try and, and get it out. Um, the people that are behind it and hopefully
1: I think I might try and ride down to Salem for that because there's a ride happening, a group ride happening for that. Yeah.
0: I think you should because I mean, I, it's definitely something I want to see happen and yep. um I think there's a lot of benefits. So I have a question
1: for you. Yes, sir. What did you
0: do this weekend? I did some things. No big deal. I don't did want to you, talk did about you, it. Did you? Did you? Did you have a group ride? I did. I did have a group ride. So I, I, we've um, been talking about it a while. I finally did my first motorcycle race, uh, proper. I, I did. It's funny. I had a couple friends call me a novice, and it's like, well, okay. I did one supermoto round like three years ago. So it's not like my first motorcycle race, but I'd say it's my first proper motorcycle race. Where people, you know, had to get a license, yeah, and you had to, you know, get evaluated, and tech scrutiny was a little bit more than like, did you safety wire that? <laughs> okay, do you mind safety wiring <laughs> that Brick later? Pads look half worn, but you should be all right. Yeah, you should be fine. Those tires look bald, but that should be fine. <laughs> <laughs> no, that I shouldn't. I shouldn't say that it wasn't like our tech was that loose at the Supermoto round, but it wasn't nearly to the level of scrutiny that that Omer does. So Friday, I did the well. Thursday night, yeah. I did the classroom portion. Did you, did you portion. sleep
1: between Thursday and Friday? No, I literally you came and picked
0: up the stickers from my house? Probably one. I was killing myself, man. I didn't get, I got like three hours of sleep Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday ish. And then caught up a little bit Saturday, Sunday. Um, So Thursday night, I did the classroom portion of the New Rider School. Friday day, we did the on track. And there's also a classroom portion at the track as well, uh, because we're doing basically drills and, and different Um, little things uh got my novice license on uh friday became a racer and -hmm. then saturday we're off to the races um my first race was the lightweight superbike class it's i think the third race of the day or whatever but i had some mechanical issues in the practice session i got a lot of help from can you talk about the mechanical issues or no uh yeah i mean it's my own damn fault i'm not a good mechanic what'd you break um i don't want to talk about it. <laughs> it's, embar- <laughs> it's embarrassing because truthfully it's embarrassing because it was really dangerous really um i had the best case outcome of a pretty bad scenario okay uh the front sprocket came off the bike Woo. because i had forgotten to torque it back to spec <laughs> when i had taken the bike all the way apart and mm. we put it back together. This is important to talk about though because
1: there are a lot of people listening you know and what? reading your articles that are excited about maybe joining a race crew at at some point or a race uh, uh, organization at some point and they're they're waiting for some some
0: some sage wisdom from you. Look right and tight and it went through all of Friday no issue. And then it went through like the first practice session and then I get down the back straight and I rev the engine and nothing happens. And I'm like fuck. I Blew the clutch or something, you know. Like <laughs> that's what's going through my mind because that's like the, the obvious thing that much that happened was the clutch. <clears throat> and so I get my hand up and I'm getting off the track and I've got enough mem- enough momentum to get back to the pits and I'm like revving the bike, like trying to like I'm clicking through gears, trying to figure out what the heck's going on here. And then as I'm coming in, I'm finally going slow enough that I can look down, and I can see the sprocket is off the splines of the of the shaft. Wow, the counter shaft. And I can see when I rev the bike, I can see the spline spin and I can see the sprocket not spin with them. And, I, and then I know it's like, oh, hey, there's no nut anymore. It's Ooh. just kind of sitting there, just kind of sitting on the shaft on like the non-splined part, just spinning around. And I'm like, well, that's really bad. So I get like to the pit exit, I guess technically is what it is. I, I'm back in the paddock. Yeah, just push to put, the bike all the and way. And I'm pushing the bike all the way back at this How point. How
1: far did you uh, pit from, from starting grid? Oh, uh, The far as... Part far as
0: far away you can be. <laughs> that's called paying for your mistakes. Yeah, and that's like walk of shame.
1: <laughs> it really um,
0: is. I get 10 feet within of my pit spot, and the sprocket finally comes completely off the shaft Ooh. and locks the rear tire. Oh and boy. if that had happened on the track, uh, I would probably be in the hospital.
1: I would have to print you all new stickers. Jesus, Jensen. That think would have of been me. a thing.
0: That would have been, man, I, I would imagine. Worst case scenario. I mean, obviously it's going to lock the rear tire, but like that could potentially break the wheel. And if it happened on the back straight, which is where like it first started occurring, that's a nasty place to go off. That's a high side. That's a high side probably. That's a bike tumbling at you know because the back straight actually got kind of a crown to it. It kind of leans to the left. Yeah, and a lot of people if they go off there, they hit the wall. Oh yeah. Um. It would have been a bad day. So man,
1: I'm glad it happened the way it did.
0: That was um <clears throat> that was eye-opening. I don't think I'll be doing too much wrenching on the bike myself anymore.
1: Do you think it'd be a good idea for you to have like a printed list of things that you have touched so that you can retouch it I mean, based on a
0: checklist? I mean, I was talking to I was talking to Kevin today about it and he's like, "You know, generally speaking, you know, putting something on and not tightening, torquing it right then and there is a recipe for disaster." And that's the lesson. Yeah. Um, so I learned that lesson the hard way, and like I said, I learned it the hard way, but with the best possible outcome, because at the end of the day, nothing really bad happened, other than I had t- like 30 minutes to scramble, no, it was maybe 40 minutes, I think I had two races, to get, to find a new um, Oh yeah, the nut, nut. get that on the bike, and, and get the sprocket back on the shaft, which wasn't easy in itself either. Did anything get damaged? No. Well, that's no. That's the thing because it's just (sighs) best case scenario. It 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 literally locked up while I was pushing it. So I was going like two miles an hour. You better be glad
1: that your mom and my wife don't listen to this. Yeah, you can get your ass kicked by two very very women.
0: Um, and so yeah, I got I got a lot of help from from um, Matt O'Rourke, who is the vice president, I believe, of Omra, and Paxton Gray, who runs a KTM dealership down near uh, Salem. And, uh, we're able to, to get a nut on the bike, get it all on there, get it torqued up, get it locked, locked, rocked, right or go. And I literally like finished that up, got all my gear on and had about two minutes to breathe before my first race wow. with Omra. So that was a very, uh, intense way of getting the blood flowing. Uh, had a really good race, came in second, had a great battle good with, uh, another Kramer rider, uh, John Munns, um, He got me with old age and treachery at turn four. (laughs) And that would be... Turn Turn four, four, huh? Did he get you on the inside or outside? That time, he came around the outside. I came in for the block pass on the inside at the apex. And I couldn't quite get the speed to get him on the the back straight. And um, we we did about a lap and a half of trading paint. Not trading paint. Training turns. And I uh, had a really good battle, and then he got me going into six. It kind of pinches off. I didn't get the pass done in time, and I ran out of tarmac. Actually, I had to get up a little bit on the curbs because wow. we were getting too close. And basically, at that point, that was about it because I I lost all the momentum down the back straight, and I caught up to him at turn nine. Um, and actually, kind of had to to check up, but I couldn't get around him enough to get any drive down the back straight or the front straight to to get it. So it was a close. Close margin. I think we finished like two, three tenths of a second off each other. Wow, uh, Had a lot of fun battling it out. And then um, turn four would be like a, a recurring thing. I, I haven't quite figured out my race craft there. There's a couple ways you can do things when you're trying to pass someone in there. And that's something I get to learn. So turn four, for people who aren't
1: uh, familiar with it, for motorcycle riding on, on PIR is basically the a super sharp it's it's like a night. Well, it's maybe like a yeah. hundred degree turn. It's it's a very sharp right hand turn.
0: It's yeah. It's so it's, there's a couple things going on because it's a ninety degree right hand turn. It's it's probably one of the most important turns on the track because it it pretty much dictates your speed going down the back straight, right? Which is which is quite long. But the other thing is too the entry is really 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 wide. So there's a couple lines through it there's a momentum line and there's a position line and if you're close to someone, it's a great place to pass but it, it's definitely one of those things where bikes can come together really easily because mm-hmm. um, you end up fighting for the same piece of real estate and then you go through a quick chicane and there isn't really like, if you don't have the position on the person, you're going to get pinched off Yeah, and, and that can be really tough. Like you have to make your pass or, or hold your piece um, and so it's it's definitely one of the big passing spots on at Portland and um, you know, definitely, I definitely lost a couple positions and, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't say lost races, but definitely lost position in the final standings because of, of what happened is riding like this bike train.
1: a lot. I mean, it, I was watching a video of a, of a mutual friend of ours who was ri- riding his Kramer and to watch where he was shifting gears and what gear he had to be in through these, the turns that I'm familiar with on my big bike. It's, it looks like just such a very, very different approach you have to have on that motorcycle on a Kramer.
0: Um, I'm thinking to my Street Fighter and the shifting points are more or less the same. Really? More or less. Are you taking,
1: let's say turn four, are you taking that in second gear? It's a
0: good question. Okay, so I'm touching six down the back straight. I'm clicking three gears uh so third for turn one one b i'm in second when i go through turn four
1: yeah wow so that's very similar
0: yeah yeah but yeah what's your pace so um i started on friday doing 124 so i ended on sunday doing a 120.5 that's
1: pretty damn fast
0: uh it's okay yeah i mean it's it's nothing to sneeze at it's not like lighting the world on fire i think drat who's on a kramer was doing 117s maybe he touched a high 116 the crippled triples are in the 16s and and could even have i think alex taylor may have done a high 115 It's our friend adon riding, he's writing a yamaha uh parallel zero7 yeah, yeah. yeah
1: like a really highly tuned f07 <laughs> that's
0: when i knew i was racing actually um what race was i in middleweight superbike uh not a great grid for the Kramers, really just because the cripple triples at Portland they get to spool up and the horsepower advantage shines yeah and, and that can be a little tough um and they and that's the one of the classes where you see both bikes in there and you get the fco7s and you get the sv650s. Um, so there's a lot of bikes that make a little bit more power um depending on the state of tune. So there's some real competitors in there. It's it's tough. Whereas lightweight, the super the first race I did was lightweight bike. Mm-hmm. That's the Kramer class. If you're not on a Kramer, you're going to have a real hard time. Yeah, what are you riding if you're not on a Kramer in that lightweight class? I think Honda CB500 is legal wow. in there. Um it's not a class that really has like a good mix of bikes. Like if you're on that we had one we had a Ninja 400 in it, I think. Wow. On Sunday? That's totally handicapped think you can you can bring any size single in it and i'm trying to remember what size the cutoff is for twins i think it's a 500 twin Hmm. so it's really tough to like have a an answer in that class that isn't a big single if you're not on a ktm 690 duke type bike or a kramer or um that's really it to be honest Hmm. so yeah middleweights where where it's a little bit more even and i remember going through the first turn and i'm in kind of i think i was in like Fifth place or sixth place or whatever, going through the turn, but it was it was still pretty packed up. And I remember a Don coming by, and he's just he's he's doing, you know, he's giving me a race pass, and I was like <laughs> like that. I'm like, oh fuck, that's not a track day pass, that's a race pass. I'm <laughs> racing right now. We're we're real. We are going. Like that, that's one of the things like, that struck in my head. I was like, I am. This is a different beast. This is a different kettle <laughs> of fish, sir. <laughs> um, I think I did well in that. Race. I think I finished 5th in that race. Oh, I'm 5th in the middleweight championship. Impressive thinking about the people that are on that race, there are some good ones. Um, there's definitely some good people on that in that class that are fast. But it's one of those things where I think if you look at like the lap times like there's a it's a pretty big gap to the next group of people. Like I'm a second or two behind. And then there's a little bit of a gap between me and the person behind me. So it's a kind of a lonely, a lonely spot to be. But um,
1: is that why you're drinking water today? Are you, um, are you noticing any physical things you need to work on?
0: No, tr- truthfully, I think my, I mean, I definitely need to lose some weight. Uh, I definitely probably have thirty pounds on everyone I'm racing against. <laughs> but my physical fitness, I think, is right there. I, I had no issues doing our longer GP race. You were good as
1: far as, uh, far as, you know, lasting for the whole race and not being yeah, winded And no, not I had no tired. issues with that.
0: Um, I mean, this is the funny thing. Like, this is I, I'm in like a weird fitness place because I have a really good VO2 max for 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 the way I look, Shaheen. I, For The I, way I, you eat a double bacon cheeseburger, I got no problem saying I'm about 30 pounds overweight. I got a little bit of a belly going on, and it's been like that for a while. But from a VO2 max perspective, uh, it's like I, I mean, I've been running, I've been doing all these things, I've been weightlifting. Uh, I've got a good set of lungs on me. I've right. got good muscular strength. I've got I don't have great flexibility, but I got at least enough flexibility for motorcycle racing. You I've got a nice ass. I got enough cardiovascular fitness that a 30-minute race is really not going to do anything. Like, my mouth is dry. I, I remember noticing that one of the frustrators. I'm like, like wow, well, I'm breathing hard because my mouth is dry I'm, and I'm doing the thing. But my physicality was never an issue. And so I feel good with that. I just need to lose the weight. I need to clean my diet up. The water is just because I was just really dehydrated. It was hot out. Yeah. Um, and I've been drinking soda all day. So
1: <laughs> I thought maybe you had an epiphany mid race. No, a Dom passed you really quick, and you're like, "If I only drank more water."
0: No, no, I, I was actually pretty happy with my fitness. My fitness level. I was actually pretty important. I was I wondering, wondering. I, I was lost, wondering about that. Yeah, I wish I'd lost more weight in the off season. But in terms of fitness, like I geared all my fitness towards being able to do high intensity exertion for 30 minutes. Yeah, I did a lot of 30 minute intervals. A lot. Of, I did a lot of interval training. I did a lot of um leg lifting, like doing a lot of lower uh, lower body um uh, body lower body weight lifting. Hmm. Um so yeah, no, I don't it wasn't too bad. And the Kramer's not a physical bike. That's one of the fun things that's actually I really enjoyed about riding that machine. I'm hitting like well, we had a headwind on on the saturday but on sunday we're getting pretty close to 130 down the front straight compared to about 175 on a production street bike yeah. or production superbike i should say throwing it side to sides really easy the thing way i weighed it, it weighs 277 pounds of a and gallon you've got of fuel like
1: hardly it. any unsprung weight on that thing anymore
0: yeah i got carbon wheels um it's really easy to flick around um you're not going so fast that it's like it's not like Magello where I'm hanging on to an RSB4 for dear life, you know, because I have a, I don't need the, as much wind protection, uh, even though the Kramer doesn't have a ton. Um, so it just yeah, it just wasn't an issue. It's a really easy to bike to ride all day long. Um, There's some talk of doing an endurance race towards the end of this year, Ooh. and I'm like sitting there going like, yeah, I can do an hour on this, no issue. No issue, and Portland's like Portland's tough because it's all right-handers. So you're really just working your right leg. Yeah, you just <laughs> that wasn't really an issue. I had a couple of little cramps just because of whatever. Uh, it wasn't like 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 muscle spasm cramps, but it was just kind of like oh, I need to stretch my leg out after the the race is over. You know, dangle my leg, kind of stretch it out. No big deal. Um, did you did you
1: um have you found a good routine after the three day weekend for your before you hop on a bike?
0: Uh, I mean I did so I did kind of do like a crash course before the race began like the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. The the Monday I did a really heavy leg day and kind of like a moderate upper body just to get my muscles working. Right. I did a cardio day Tuesday and then I did like a medium light weightlifting day on Wednesday and then I rested Thursday. And oh, you, didn't. Um, you were up all night. <laughs> yeah, well I mean I was working on the bike and <laughs> getting know, things buttoned up and everything, but like just in terms of physicality, like you know, that's kind of how you, how I would approach like any sort of, uh, you know, when I did cross country, that's how we would train. Like you know, you'd have like a rest day, you try to peak during the race day. Right. Um, that was the same thing there, and that that did me fine. Um,
1: all the gear worked well for you. You had, you had some new gear to sort of break. All in my for gear this. worked
0: well. I mean, it was really lucky that the I got a custom works Dynese suit that fits like a glove, uh, straight from the factory, no alterations needed awesome i I had a chance it was nice having that um riding school on friday because that let me break the leather in a little bit we didn't really need it too much uh there was no real issues there um boots and gloves and everything i had used before the biggest thing was just getting the bike buttoned up and i had to get numbers on it and i had to make sure it was ready for tech and you know we needed a couple things there um i had a lot of gear like tire warmers and pop up 10 you know different tools and stuff that was a little different that you know, I wouldn't have liked to be using for the first time, especially something like a tire warmer. Yeah, but there's not worked. too much complexity there that you can really like mess it up. Like, are you
1: going to get a backup set just in case? I have two. I okay. have two sets.
0: Cool. Um, the biggest thing was it was really cold. I talked to Pirelli a lot about tire pressures and what to run, and um, you know, yeah, the trying temperature to, fluctuation was crazy this weekend. So we had one night, Saturday night, got. T- down to 37 degrees. So we got to the track on Sunday to track that had almost been frozen and, you know, it had to get warmed up. And we had some oil issues each day because there's drag uh, racing after our Mm -hmm. races. And they dumped some oil down the front straight and turn nine and stuff. Um, So that actually delayed our starts on Saturday. Excuse me. On Saturday and Sunday. But uh, it all all worked out. I mean, truthfully, the biggest thing was... Uh, as a new racer just trying to you you don't know what you don't know that was the biggest thing for me i've been doing track days for 15 years 18 years how many how long have i been doing track days let's say 15 years that's about right yeah i think it's a little more than that about half your adult life done a lot of track days done it at a lot of different tracks done it with a lot of different bikes Track days are not a quagmire to me. Going out and riding a new bike is not new to me. Riding in the morning, riding with warmers, you know. I've done all these things before. But you don't know what you don't know. Like, there's just, like, certain things, like, listening for the call over the PA system, making sure you get out on time. I have a 30-second window to get on the track. That's a pretty high-precision thing to do. Yeah, no kidding. Getting the warmers off, getting the bike out there, meeting that 30-minute window, um... You know, going through like start, I am horrible at starts, Shaheen. I am horrible. Oh,
1: so you learned something that you got to work on, though.
0: I definitely have to work on starts. Absolutely, Uh, it's my it's my it's definitely my weakest link of racecraft. But it's also probably one like the least important to an extent because
1: you don't think it'll help you get to the front of the
0: pack quicker. I mean, yes and no. I mean, there's a great example, right? So middleweight GP race on Saturday. Mm -hmm. This is a well, it got condensed. I think it was a 12-lap race. I think it was scheduled for 15, but we got our schedule shortened. I was gridded last row. Wow. Because it, I had no previous points in that race bef- before from last season, mm. obviously because I'm a novice. Oh, it carries over? Yeah. Oh, that, wow. That's how they do the grid for the first round is based on points from last season. Got it. So I have zero points. And then from, from that point on, the tiebreaker is who registered first. And I registered a little late. I registered like Tuesday night when the cutoff was Wednesday night. So most people would already register by then. <laughs> so I'm basically last row, last spot. And I kind of fucked up um, my shifts. I thought I was in first gear. It turned out I was in like fourth gear. Whoa. So I'm trying to launch the bike in fourth gear. Amazing it doesn't stall. And, you know, I catch the bar, get the clutch in and click up a gear because I'm in GP shift. And that that's part of the problem because I had a, couple, think about that. had a couple of times where I was like GP shift. And I think that was the issue on that one. Um, click up a gear, give it again, still box on, click another gear. Now it's going to go, on, but I'm going slow. And so, someone got like the video of it and you just see like all these bikes go and then just me like doop 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 doop. doop. <laughs> so not They're only like Yeah, so not only am I, and this is a 22 bike grid. So Not only my four rows back or whatever it is, five rows back. I'm launching so and I'm and I'm slow off the line anyways. I'm just not good at starts in general. And there I'm trotting along, dicking around with gears. <laughs> I mean, the entire field is through turn one. And then it's a solid like five count before I go through turn one. <laughs> and I'm just sitting there going like, well, all right, <laughs> I've got 12 laps. <laughs> Better played smart. So it's just, it's just picking people off and that, and that, and I knew it and someone had mentioned it to me before. So I had it fresh in my brain. They were like, yeah, this, the thing about the GP race is don't get too up about it. Like, It's such a long race. People's lap times kind of spread them out. It's not a sprint race where you're going to be like diving for positions. Right. It just kind of settles itself out. And, you know, maybe you get into a battle with someone that's around the same speed as you. But there's enough stratification in there that you're going to just kind of land where you land based because of, of lap times. And that was pretty much the case. I finished that race, I think, ninth. I had the better pace than the person who finished eighth. But they finished like eight seconds ahead of me. And it was just a process of getting through traffic, yep. the delta of getting to turn one. And so then I was like, yeah, okay. So that cost me, that whole mistake cost me one place. It's not bad, all not bad. things
1: considered. Not bad. because I feel like we should go to like a drag race night and like work on your, your launches.
0: Well, our buddy Christian, uh, Christian Hansen, gave me some really good advice okay. on, on that. And then I went to the Andy Debrino School of, of Good Starts and got some advice there. And I would say my Sunday starts were a lot better. I wouldn't say they're good. They're certainly not great, but they were okay. I didn't lose any places. I didn't gain any places. I was right there. Okay. So it's, it's definitely like something I want to be better at. I, I do think going to a drag race night and just practicing, you know, launching the bike and getting to learn the bike would be, would be good. We did practice starts for the new rider school and oh, we did about four or five of those and None of them were good for me, <laughs> but I was always the first one into turn one because I was so used to the breaking point. I mean, people were breaking way, people were breaking back where I would break a super bike back, a super bike back at, and I'd just blow right by him. And you know, so you make up the difference there. Um, couple interesting things that happened through the waist, the waist, the waist weekend, Waste weekend, the race weekend. Um, what was it? Middleweight sportsman. Now this is like, This is a class that could be unfairly renamed like middleweight novice. There's no novice race for my type of bike, for a middleweight bike. But middleweight sportsman has a cutoff time. And I would say only like the top three to five really fast guys in, in that class would place out of it. So it's not quite a novice race, but the faster guys aren't in it or choose not to be in it. Um, And again, horrible start. I'm starting at the back of the grid. I have to work my way through the grid, and uh, I get through. So, to Tarantino, went I finished third. So, That's I get pretty th- impressive. Not bad. Not bad for definitely being the last one through turn one uh, again. I really got to work. On <laughs> no, well, that one was a little bit. That one was a little bit better because I got a decent start, but it was such a cluster. I was so far back, and it was such a cluster of, let's say, greener riders, and just a lot of riders. Another twenty byte grid, and it's just there's just too many people, like all going for the same piece of Negotiating tarmac. Negotiating and turn, I'm at yeah. the very back of that bus. I checked up three, maybe four times on people going into it, so I'm not going through turn one. It was another one of those things where I'm just like, I am only going to crash if I do this. Yeah. Whereas, like you, 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 and you, I will get you at later turns, and I just I'd pick a rider off at every turn. And by the first lap, I'd probably picked off half the field. <laughs> uh, I think I think it, if I look back at the times, I think I was eighth going into the second lap. Holy moly! Cause you're just picking people off. They're slower riders. Just getting through the traffic. Um, get about halfway through the race, and I, I passed a couple, two, three guys between turn four and turn seven, um, making making good progress through. And that's one of the things. Like I know everyone that I'm passing is slower than me. More or less, because you know, obviously it changes as you get further down because you're getting to faster and faster people. Right. But more or less being like, okay, these are all these are all slower people. And I don't really think too much of it. So I'm not riding very defensive lines. I'm riding fast lines. And so I come into turn nine, which is the final turn on the racetrack before you get on the front straightaway, and it's a right hand sweeper. Yep. It's a very important turn if you want to get a good speed. And it's pretty fast. And uh and I, and I nail my brake marker, nail my shift point, and I lean it in. My knee's on the deck. My knee's getting uh, on the curb, and I hear this motor coming behind me like a banshee, and I'm like, wow. I'm like, <laughs> who did I – this is all happening in like a split of second, mind you. I'm like, who did I pass that's got that kind of pace? Like, listen to this guy coming. And I'm sitting there going like, no, nope, I'm all good. I'm, I've got this thing buttoned down. Like, this is – this would be a good photo to show like kind of this is a different track. This is Kailami kind of but that's kind of where I'm at on yeah, the track, you're, right? You're down there. Uh, the only way there's a little bit of curb you could come in on but there's nothing there. I got that button down. So I'm just going to go like I got this inside button yeah, down. No one's coming in no one sh- I can't. No one showed me a wheel. No one's there. No. He's going to have to go the long way around me and as soon as that like registers in my head I feel a tire burning a hole into my the side of my leg. Holy moly. And I feel a jolt as the bike hits my tail section and uh, uh i get a little wobble and i just crank the gas at that point i'm basically at the apex yeah. and i crank the gas and i go and i'm sitting there going like dude where did you think you were going on the inside of me like you had have to go through the curbs and the grass no clue what goes on but i'm just head down go through it next time i come around the turn i see two bikes are in the grass so my mental process is oh i bet someone crashed and then like they, those two guys crashed behind me, and then maybe somehow I got kind of like collected into it, right? And I just got out of it, lucky. It turns out the dude like totally bombed the turn. I talked to the guy behind me, uh, who actually ended up beating me um, and got second, and I got third again. Turn four, just getting a free a free lesson. Yeah, so that was fun. That was fun to battle him. We battled for about a lap and a half, two laps, and he got the better of me, but it was it was fun. Uh, oh, that
1: guy didn't take you out. It's uh, at least. When you hit the back of someone else's bike, you're usually losing a little bit. Yeah, usually <laughs> the rear tire wins. Usually
0: front tire to rear tire. The front yeah. tire always loses, but sometimes the rear tire guy goes down as yeah, well. Yeah, if they sweep you out, you know. Yeah, you know, sweep the leg. I was his uh his Mr. Miyagi to his Ooh, uh Cobra crap. Kai. <laughs> um so that was that was interesting. And I was like, Well, that's that's the baptism. That's you know, rubbing his race and Ooh. it was I mean it was a really bonehead mood move, but uh that it happens when is the next race oh uh, it's in two weeks two weekends 10 days you gonna make it yeah i'll be making it uh bikes ready to go um uh yeah I just finished the thought on that race weekend and I, it, it was good i had a lot of good races it culminated with um lightweight superbike race on sunday uh again battling with with john munns who's, who's the guy pitting right next to me so we had a good we had a good back and forth the whole day or the whole weekend and he's right there and high five afterwards <laughs> and he he just every time would get me like like last lap he would show up and i'd be like where have you been this whole race what just the fuck been, were you, you just messing with me the whole just time been hiding back there just counting beans
1: fucking valentino rossing you the whole race
0: yeah and then he would get me you know turn four or wherever you know pass me up and then i would just you know we dice it up for a little bit we would dice it up for a lap or two and then he'd finally you know get around me and then i'd have nothing for him Um. So this final race, I was just like, you know, I really wanted it. I was feeling really good. The track was getting warm. My bike was, you know, feeling starting. I was just, I started that week on the, at the new rider school, like 70% of the bike. I really hadn't done that many laps on that thing. Yeah. And I wasn't really feeling, I was feeling maybe 80% on it at the end of Saturday. And I still think I'm probably like 95%, 90, 90, 95 on it now. That's pretty good for the first weekend. Yeah, it's not bad. It's we've got to change some things on the brakes. I'm not I'm not I'm really not happy with the brake performance, but I knew that going into it cuz it's a single disc. Yeah. It's a track I mean that model is made to be a track day bike. It's not meant as a race bike. The R bike, the R level is
1: for Can a race. Can you ever bike. switch it over to a dual?
0: Yeah, you'd have to machine the fork legs to accept a smaller disc to have the caliper at the right distance. Right. But yeah, it's got both the things. You've
1: already upgraded your Pads and everything like Nope, nope, nope. nope. Oh. So that's what I'll be doing okay. for the next race.
0: I'm gonna I'm gonna try a different pad. I might try a different rotor and then see what that gets me. Maybe go to a three thirty. Um and then if we're still needing more, look at a master cylinder and then try a different caliper if that's if that's the case. At least
1: you got something to work with.
0: Yeah, and that's truthfully that's one of the stories I want to write. Like I know this going into it, this is the weakness of this bike, this is something I want to improve. Let's explore the Brembo catalog right. of parts and look at these different things and where the trade offs are and the benefits and all that jazz. So that's a whole. That'll be an our Pro story. That'll be cool to read. I think. I'm excited to do it. Let's put it that way. I'm excited to read it. Uh, so anyway, so so this this race, I'm like, okay, I can t- I can learn. Yeah, I'm a I'm a pliable mind. Okay, I, I'm okay. a smart fella. I've I've been educated, I'm a fart and, You know, I can be crafty too. <laughs> so I get a good start and uh john gets a better start than me he was he was gridded, i think first and i was gridded second and so we go into turn one one two and i just sit there and i just i just follow him as close as i can we get and we have to go through traffic because the 450 superbike class goes before us and uh we hit their back markers pretty quick uh this race not as quickly as we did the first time the first time was like turn three we started catching people this one i think it was closer to turn four and they were they were a little bit more spread out. So I follow him everywhere he goes. If he's passing someone, I'm passing someone. I'm just his shadow. And we do that for three or four laps. And the entire time I'm just taking notes. I'm like, okay, you're fast through here, you're slow through there. Okay, you made a mistake there. Oh, you made a mistake there again. That's interesting. <laughs> taking notes, okay. taking notes. Yeah, I'm just I'm like, I'm like, What what I'm reading your tea leaves, John. I'm reading your tea leaves. <laughs> and then it must have been like lap four or five out of eight. He he kind of he doesn't get very good drive onto the front straight. And I'm just like, you know what? I don't think he's feeling really good. Ooh, and he he'd had a crash early in the day and had a tumble and and you know I I was like goading him in the pits, I'm like, hey man, you're going out to this race, man, because I want to come race you. Like, let's keep it up, let's go have a good race, let's get do it. Because he's a fun competitor. <laughs> like, we're we're right there, like pace wise. He's a he's a good hard competitor, and he's and he's safe. And I'm like, I want to mix it up. We're having a great time. High fives every race. And I'm like, okay, I think I think I think I've got it. I think this race I've got it. I think he's a little off i don't know if he's tired or what's going on i'm gonna go for it And i make my break and i get great drive out of turn nine and i come out on the outside of him on the front straight tuck in a little bit for the draft and just just get slingshot right past him because he didn't have any of the drive Ooh. and i go and i do like the i put down the best lap i can possibly do i don't think lap time it was actually my best lap uh i think i did like a low 121 okay but it felt good like everything clicking i'm hitting my markers solid And I'm putting it in as hard as I can. And we come around and I'm getting on it. And um, we do, did we do another lap or is it just one lap? Anyways, I come through turn eight and the bike goes, whoa, 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 whoa. Like it has a little little run out of gas. Uh oh. I'm like, no, 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 no. That's just a bobble. That's just me leaned over, baby. That's just me leaned over. Don't (laughs) worry about it. And I go through turn nine and it's fine. I'm like, okay, that was fine. That was just a little bobble. And I get the bike stand back up and I'm on the gas and I'm going, "No, no, 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 no run out of gas come on like two three laps to go oh. i'm leading. and i'm like oh, i'm finally gonna get this guy he's been getting me all weekend it's time for just desserts and you know i gotta get my hand up and i pull over and i'm so clearly i'm still angry on at the bike. That. well <laughs> it's tough because i don't really know what the consumption rate of that bike is yet i haven't spent enough time on it right and i don't have a really great way of measuring the level in the fuel tank I don't have like a, and you can't quite like stick a does stick give, down Does it there. give you
1: a, um, yeah, I guess you really can't see into
0: it, can you? No. I thought you I,
1: could kind of see through the seat a little bit where it is. No,
0: no. There used to be a thing like that. Not really. So I've just been measuring how much fuel I've been putting into it. And I thought I'd put enough fuel for two races and I didn't. Uh. Um, So I did a race and then didn't fill it up and then did another race and only made about halfway around. or So two did, you, around. did you
1: not fuel it up because you were trying to. Nope. Gain time? Nope, no or just, strategy. Okay. I literally,
0: literally is like, oh, I think I've got this filled up enough for the rest of the day. What's the capacity on the bike? Do you know? It's a three-gallon tank. Pretty oh. sure. Pretty sure it's a three-gallon tank. So, that's just dumb. That's just dumb. as it's, it's kind of not knowing your machine. Again, it's like, it's not knowing what I don't know. It's, um...
1: I guess it doesn't have a low fuel light on it,
0: does no, it? No, there's no lights whatsoever. Are not allowed to have that on a race bike, or they just simply didn't You bother? just don't see those very often on a race bike. Hmm. Um, I guess so, it's
1: just a distraction.
0: Yeah, it's just a thing. So that was kind of like a dumb Jensen moment. And to watch him go by, and I was like, Ugh. you know like Inspector Gadget, or like the claw guy? Next, he gets time. To go, next gadgets, time, Gadget. Next that's why I saying like,
1: next time, uh,
0: time, But it's good. Like, like That was the fun thing for me, was having like a rival who who you know you could have good races with who who was clean who was aggressive who right. was fast and and could like push like, you a bit yeah it was definitely pushing me i'm sitting there going like i'm learning i'm being pushed i i have a carrot to chase um that's that's kind of what i got into it for so it's great to have that and you could you can make waves about like because our class only had like four people on the starting sheet it's it's really kind of a small class because we don't have all the kramers out there um Uh, lining up for that class and uh you know you could kind of like oh that's gonna be a boring race to watch those two guys those four guys those three guys you know whoever shows up but really i think it was some of the best racing of the i can't say it was the best racing of the weekend but it was good racing you know we were pretty fun to watch we were right there you look at our lap times like we're right there with each other the whole time it was it was cool uh i I certainly had a lot of fun and uh i'm looking forward there's a lot of things i learned um I won't but I got all my goals um achieved, so I was pretty stoked with that nice, and I've got a list of goals for next weekend or not next round just two weekends away and um just kind of keep chipping away at it. I'm not expecting you know anything crazy right right now right now my biggest priority is just not have a novice license anymore, which means I have to go six race weekends without crashing or sorry six race days without crashing, so in theory and in a row two more two more race weekends on. Yes. Nice. I think you can do it. I think I can do it. Here, as I mean, long I've, as I've
1: ridden with you a long time now, and, and you're you're, if nothing, a very steady, meticulous rider. You, yeah. You don't just make stupid decisions, except for not fueling your bike up.
0: The thing that was hardest, and truthfully, my first race was was kind of thunderdome because um, it was again, it was that lightweight class, and we cat we caught the 450 class way quicker than I was expecting. I didn't even think that we would be catching them. Uh, and that's a big grid of bikes. That's at least fifteen bikes, maybe more. Mm-hmm. It's basically every cripple triple and every SV 650 <laughs> uh, out there. Um, and the first time going, so the first time I did that, I was leading. The I, I I had a really good. I didn't have a good start. I had a mediocre start, and John had a really bad start. So in my mind, I'm like, hey, I'm I'm leading this race right now. And I've got to get through lap traffic, and the quicker I can get through lap traffic means there's more lap traffic between me and him. Right. And I'm trying to put down really good times, and the track is cold, and I've got all these newer riders, or let's say less experienced riders trying to navigate. Like, it was tough getting through lap traffic and not making dick passes. And there's a couple passes that I was telling my, my novice mentor. I was like, I'm not proud of every pass I made in that race. <laughs> because there was a couple like hey yeah I'm going to be stuffing you on this turn because I'm, I'm I'm racing a little bit harder right now and so there's a little bit of that like hey like slow it down because like, I could see like mistakes getting made coming through lap traffic or, or going or coming through slower traffic which is more likely Um, and then there's always that X factor like hey you get next to someone and they make a bad decision yeah. and they, they run up the inside of you when there's no hole and you know they take you down with them and that's racing. You know, I can't I can't be uh, accountable for everyone else on the track. I can't control all of them. I can only control myself. So there's a little bit of that, but I I'm not too worried about it.
1: What's the spread like in those novice classes?
0: Well, like I said, I'm not really in a novice class. Um there's a novice 600 and there's a novice 1000, and I'm not in those. There's a novice 1000? Yeah, there's only like one or two guys in that class, though. Yeesh. That was interesting to see. There's not that many people coming in on thousands anywhere. Not so many people racing thousands. Uh, a lot of people on six hundreds. A lot of people on triple triples. And
1: it's cheaper. It's cheaper, and it's uh it gives you a lot of a lot of bank for the buck.
0: It's a real thing. I mean, just looking at like what tires cost, and I got through a race weekend on tires. I could probably do another race weekend on my front. Uh, I'm running Pirellis. Uh, the SC one front easily could get two race weekends out of that. The SC two. Uh, I flipped it between Friday, uh, Saturday, and Sunday. Oh wow. And I never had any issues with it on the one side, but I just flipped it because I was just I know I was like, I'm going into this using one rear a weekend. So I might as well flip it and, and get the uh, yeah, the benefit.
1: Especially on a track like PIR where it's which just is mostly all right hand turns.
0: Yeah. That's why I flipped it because it's so right hand biased.
1: Is Omer gonna go to another track? Like do you ever have to go to the the ridge?
0: Yeah, round three is a co race with Wormra, which is the Washington mm-hmm. Motorcycle Road Racing Association, and that will be at the ridge. Okay. So we'll go that's off the, a fun track. That's a fun track. Um actually, so we're off this weekend. Next weekend, I'll probably do the Friday practice day, Saturday, Sunday race at PIR, and then Motocorsa has a track day at the ridge. I'll be there so for be that. Four days straight of Kramerisms. Woo. It'll be busy. It's gonna be fun.
1: Busy, busy, busy. Busy, busy, busy. Well, I know a lot of people are very excited to learn from watching you and you know, hear about your your adventure in this in this crazy little racing world
0: well and that's the whole thing is um you know so i'm writing a series called gone racing and you know i think we talked a little bit about my personal experience mm-hmm. on the podcast which is maybe like how we do things here but the focus for the rate for the series on a really isn't about my racing i'm not i don't want to sit there and talk about like hey i got second i got third you know, I was leading and then I lost. Blah, 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 blah. I don't <laughs> think anyone really cares that much about Jensen's racing like experience, like where I finished on the podium or off the podium or what. Um, But there's, there's cool things to learn from that. So talking about what uh, a new racer school is like and what that means and what that entails. Talking about, you know, braking components. What's the difference between these pads, these calipers, these yep. master cylinders? What does that get you? What is the cost-benefit? i want to do like a deep dive we're going to do this as an AR pro story let's go get a bunch of race fuel let's get a couple things from sunoco let's get a few things from vp let's put them all on my bike run it on the dyno see what the results are look at the cost benefit for horsepower and start saying like okay well which fuels are good which one do you need to have like a built motor for which ones are going to be wasted on a stock motor you know what's the difference between leaded fuel and unleaded what's the difference between ethanol and ethanol free um you know, it's funny, like, I'd put the same lap times in on ethanol-free 92 pump hmm. gas as I did, um a, you know, a race gas. You know, how much of that is is circumstance? How much does that is, like, hey, it's just, yeah, there's only a, a horsepower or two between these. And do you really want to spend twice as much for one or the other? Yeah. Um, so, I think that would be really interesting. And and talk about a little bit about the mental size. Talk a little bit about the physical types, Talk about here's the gear list this is everything i'm bringing to the track and why and here's you know how you do that so there's going to be some interesting uh topics to have there i think the n r pro stories will be kind of more high level that i think any racer or anyone just kind of generally interested in motorcycles is going to find really interesting kind of deep divey sort of things and then kind of the general stories are kind of geared towards trying to get track day riders into racing. Yeah, Say, so, okay, like this is how you make that transition. As someone that's making that transition themselves, um, you know, here's what you need to know.
1: I think these are all very important things. I mean, everybody's always wondering about them because it's amazing to me how many street riders I meet, and when I come, you know, try to suggest that they go and do a track day, they just look at you like you've just told them to go run the Isle of Man TT or something. So the conception, you know, the, the concept in people's head is that it's dangerous and it's scary and it's too fast and, you know. So I can only imagine that a track day rider that's only used to doing sort of a very controlled track day, transitioning to a race rider, it's a whole different step. And so to have somebody like you go along and do it and show them step by step of what they should do and they can do, um, I think that's that's neat because that's sort of a mystery to a lot of people.
0: I think, yeah, and my goal, Shaheen, if I can get one track day rider to go take a new race for school, like, mission accomplished. And I've already had a couple of people in the comments be like, oh, I'm thinking about doing this, or I want to go do that. Oh, man, I can't wait, you know, this is this is great, this is exactly what I'm looking for, because I have interest in that. And that's the goal, is just to start filling the grids a little bit more. Um, but I think there is a little bit of uh, not that it's yeah, that it's intimidating, right. or, or that it's something too different. And if you've done enough track days, it shouldn't be that different. And I, and I think you hit the nail on the head when you talked about a street rider going to the track and that can be a really daunting thing. And you're like, well, not really. Let me tell you why, you know, cause it's, <laughs> cause it's really not like get your bike. You have to tape up your mirrors and your headlight. You're gonna have to do your, your turn signals and your brake light. You're going to have to, uh, most track groups make you swap out your, your antifreeze, but not all of them do, you know, with water. And that's about it. But you're gonna have to do a couple little things right. to get your bike ready. And that's like the biggest hurdle because C group pace is really like a street pace. Sometimes slower. Sometimes slower. it would be surprised how many times a C group pace is slower than a street pace. Yeah. So if like you're a decent street rider, you know, or mediocre street rider, you can do C group. And the good the good track day groups. You know, put enough structure and put enough mentors out there and put enough guiding lights that they make that really easy to do. So you kind of said they're like, Oh yeah, you're a street rider. and you're worried about a track day. Don't be listen, buddy. I can tape your bike up and get it ready for tech within, you know, 10 minutes of minutes, you showing yeah. up. If we really got it, we can make this happen. We can don't worry about the pace. Do you have leathers? Do you have gear that can zip together? Do you have a helmet? Do you have gloves? Do you have boots? Of course you do, because you're riding with all your gear, right? Right. Tintin. But like you know, like it doesn't have to get too crazy, and you can go out and do the thing. And I think racing is just like one more step where it's like, okay, have you been doing track days? Do you have a good pace? Are you are you predictable? Do you have good control of your bike? Are you comfortable with other riders being around you? Can you make good decisions while at speed? Mm-hmm. You can go race. You know, yeah. C group rider is not going to be a great racer. A B group rider, rider can be a good racer. An A group rider, you are probably going to make the transition no problem. Yeah, you know, got to do a couple more things to your bike. Got to be a little bit more prepared. It's going to be a little bit different. People are going to pass you a little bit harder, but you are going to figure it out. And I think that's that's like the the whoosha that I hope that that I can. I can demystify a little bit and, and kind of help like, Hey, here's, here's a, a checklist of all things you need to have. Do you have tire warmers? Do you have stands? Do you have a canopy? Do you have a cooler? Do you have a table? Do you have a tools? Do you have a torque wrench? Do you have a tire <laughs> gauge? Do you have, uh, do you have Allen bars? And yeah, you know, we'll figure it out.
1: Well, but, that's what
0: we're here to do. Yeah. So take away the mystique. Yeah. So I think I've got, uh, I think I'm missing one round because of a press launch. I think I'm going to miss one round of or because I'm going to do an endurance race. And, uh, so we should have a lot of things to talk about over the course of this year, Shaheen, hopefully.
1: I'm excited. It's a, it's going to be a beautiful season of a lot of writing and experiencing. I feel like as you're doing all the track stuff, I'll be doing a lot of street and adventure stuff. So yeah. we should have some neat things to cover.
0: Yeah, I'm stoked. And, then, and,
1: I, and I really dig where people reach out to us and ask questions. Don't hesitate to reach out because it really helps us decide what we're going to talk about next. And if there's something that maybe we didn't think about, you know, it helps. So that's where you go to find us on the old social medias.
0: Where can they do that, Shane?
1: Well, if they went to Instagram, at Braptalk, to go to Facebook, I believe it's just facebook.com slash Yeah,
0: I think that sounds right. It is, yeah. Braptalk Motorcycle Podcast, if you type it in the search bar.
1: It'll come right up. Um, Twitter? Is it WeBrapTalk? It is. Yep. And if you want to email us, it's WeBrapTalk at dot com. Yeah. So we get a lot of messages all the time. I read every single one of them. I try to answer as many as I can. Um, it's sort of the thing I do mostly. So if you get an answer, it's usually from me, but I usually put my initials on it. Jensen's busy doing all kinds of other stuff. I check in from time to time. You check in time. from time to time, yeah. I try. Um, but yeah, reach out to us. Talk to us. Ask us the questions because uh, sometimes um, we forget to ask them and I try to put myself in the listener's shoes a lot. And you know, when I'm talking to someone like Jensen, they're, they're so in-depth. Their knowledge is so incredible and so I ask the questions that I think other people might want to ask. So ask stuff that, you know, let me know what you want to hear about. I think it's important.
0: It is. It is. With with that we say Safety third. All right, good talk. We'll see Bye. you out there. Mm-mm-mm. Cody Kitty, I'm at a zebra today. What'd you meet? Dang. You're not a fly
1: cool. that I killed.
0: You're not as cool as
1: a zebra.